Hello, people of the way. Before we get started in our studies, uh, something I want to say is uh, that I want you to know that we pray for you. Uh, you know, in America, we just had these uh, devastating tornadoes, uh, and there are uh, uh, not just tornadoes, but floods that we uh, that we follow in that are happening in Central America, South America, earthquakes and. Uh, uh, Middle Eastern countries uh, flooding in India, areas of Asia, uh, flooding that has occurred and will continue to occur in uh, European countries. And these are areas that we do have listenership. Uh, and I want you to know that we pray for you. You know, very devastating times that we're in. And, you know, the times that we're in, sometimes it impacts, it hits people harder than others. But as a people of the way, a remnant of these last days, I don't just encourage you to do this. I urge you to do this. Pray for one another. Pray for the church. Pray for the saints. Pray for the remnant. Let us be a people that are on our faces before the Lord, seeking his grace, his mercies, his guidance, his leading, uh, his blessings, his protection, his comfort, his joy. And that's what's so powerful about these trying, trying times is that the remnant is being refined as through fire, as the Bible teaches us. And things are going to get worse as we progress further in the events of the last days. Things will get worse. But then at the same time, for the remnant to shine even brighter. And I want you to know that we pray for you wherever you are in the world. We do pray for you, for God's hand in your life. And, you know, I know a lot of times we have listeners in India who don't know the listeners that we have in Europe and the listeners that we have in America in different states and the listeners that we have in Asia and Middle Eastern countries. But even still, pray for one another. Pray for your areas around you. If you have a home fellowship, you know, be grow closer together in intimacy with the Lord and intimacy with one another. Grow closer with one another because that's all part of the, I don't want to say process, but I don't know the other another word for it, but it's part of being refined, but it's part of growing closer to the Lord. Beautiful in, in, in it is in these last days for the remnant to be made brighter and brighter and brighter. Learn to make bread and store your oil. And in saying that, it's to be a Berean, to understand the scriptures, learn to make bread, but then at the same time to store your oil because the Bible teaches us that it's going to get darker and darker and darker. And in the darkness, it's not just the Christians that will have light because prophetically speaking, some of those lights will go out. And the reason why is because they don't have oil for their lamps, which is why you hear us say from time to time, and it will probably uh, increase in frequency, is to store your oil. Because these days are dark, it's going to get darker. Store your oil so that there can be light in your life. You see, and so we continue our study, but I, I, I don't just want to open the Bible and, and without mentioning, without saying, without exhorting, without even urging that we pray for one another. But then at the same time that you know that I, this ministry, we pray for you. We love you. And so we continue our study in Deuteronomy. Open up your Bibles. 
and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 20. And here in Deuteronomy chapter 20, remember Moses is speaking to the next generation of Israel, this second generation that's going to the promised land. And he says here in chapter 20, Deuteronomy verse one, he says, when, when, not if, when you go out to battle against your enemies or your adversaries, I think this is so powerful for us as a remnant in these last days, because it just so happens, it just so happens, it just so happens that we're on the topic of spiritual warfare and our Sunday studies through the New Testament. And when I say it just so happens, I don't believe in coincidences. For such a time as this, the Lord has us in these passages about warfare, battle, combat, spiritually speaking. And we see these Old Testament passages about the exhortation, instruction about when to fight, how to fight. And and we see correlation as New Covenant believers. And we do the exact same things, but as New Covenant believers, always abiding in the fulfillment of the law, which is Jesus Christ, the giver of the New Covenant. And he says in verse 1, when you go out to battle against your enemies, it's not if. It is not if, he says, when. Remember, he's speaking to this next generation that's going to enter the promised land. But then what we also understand, too, is that this next generation, they're going to have some things to do. And there's this aspect of warfare, but there's there's other aspects of, you know, things that they have to do in terms of uh, 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 having uh, areas for certain tribes, building up uh, uh, their cities. uh, 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 And and not just that, but at the same time, being aligned with the Lord. And I love how we see these passages because. Remember, you know how we see we see in passages of the law, I shouldn't say in passages of the law, but in the law itself, the Ten Commandments, there are there are certain laws which pertain to one's relationship with the Lord. But then there are other parts of the Ten Commandments which pertain to a person's relationship with other people. You see, and so just like we studied in 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 uh, in Galatians uh, uh, or in Ephesians, the exhortation that we had for children, remember to uh, uh, honor your mother and father, which is the first law with promise, or which is the first law to engage, because you have all these previous ten commandments, which is pertaining to an individual unto the Lord, but then now you have to other people, and so in these other peoples, there is an aspect of warfare that is involved with this relations with other peoples. And this is Old Testament. Understand that this is Old Testament. And always prior to war, always prior to war, there is an, a, a door that is open for grace and mercy. Always. You see that in the Bible. Remember when judgment came to Egypt? Don't forget that the Lord saved Egypt through the famine. Anytime you see God's judgment or his wrath come to an area, a people, a person, every time you see that in the Bible, you hit the rewind button from that moment of wrath and judgment. You hit the rewind button and there is always 100% of the time, always, always, always a door that is open for grace, mercy, and love. Always. And then when that grace, mercy, and love, 
when it is declined or shunned or mocked, all of a sudden you start to see these boiling points where it's 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 the Lord saying, okay, you know, th- this judgment is coming, wrath is coming. Now, when judgment and wrath come, sometimes it is done by the Lord himself and other times it is done by the Lord himself through his vessels. And it always comes from the Lord, but it comes from the Lord by his hand, or sometimes it comes from the Lord through his vessels, which is Israel. Now, that's not to say that Israel is 100% always with the Lord, because we're going to see as we continue further in our studies in the Old Testament, when Israel is not closely aligned with the Lord, And when the Lord is dishonored in the camp of Israel, all of a sudden they abdicate that position of being a vessel of the Lord. And it's in those moments where they lose battles, where they lose fights, where they lose war. And if they do not return to the Lord, it's in those moments where they enter captivity. You see that in Assyrian captivity. You see that in Babylonian captivity. And you you see it under the, the thumb of Rome. It's so powerful when we... Under, this is very, very basic. It's kind of like, you know, very, very basic rules for, you know, how the Lord works. But then at the same time, as we get further in our studies through the Old Testament, you're going to understand when you see the Lord chastising Israel, you're going to know exactly why. And when you see the Lord losing battles you're going to know exactly why. And when you see Israel start winning battles, you're going to know exactly why. Israel is, you know, their their uh, intimacy with the Lord is on point, so to speak. It is close. That's when you see uh, the blessings of the Lord. That's when you see Israel victorious. You see it in Israel proper. You see it in individuals. You see it with uh, kings, you see it with uh, uh, priests, you see it with prophets. The, the hand of the Lord, the blessings of the Lord is with these peoples, with this person, with this guy, with this gal. You see it. And the Lord responds to obedience. And that's where you see the hand of the Lord. But don't forget, the Lord also responds to disobedience. And that's where you see the curses of the Lord. Where it's like there might have been blessings one day, but then things go south and all of a sudden those blessings turn to curses. You see it. You see it upon individuals. You see it upon peoples. You see Israel lose battles. And so now we get into this subject matter of warfare for such a time as this. He says in verse 1, when, notice, not if, when you go out to battle against your enemies or your adversaries and you see and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you. Now, let's put this in perspective. Moses is telling this next generation, not if you go into battle. He says, when you go into battle and you see these armies that are your adversaries, that you're going against your enemies, when you see these people who are more numerous than you, meaning the odds with carnal eyes aren't good. That The odds aren't good for victory. And I speak carnally when I say that. 
And Moses is telling the people, you're going to experience these situations, these moments where you look at these guys and you're like, wow, we don't have horses. We might have a couple. We, you know, we might have these, you know, uh, uh, camels to carry our war gear, our equipment for combat. These guys straight up have horses. You know, they have these animals to pack their gear, these donkeys to pack their gear, but they straight up have their horses. And, you know, you have a line of horses and they could ram us. And, you know, there goes our front lines and all these things. It's like, oh, my goodness. And not just the horses, but, wow, they have the the chariots, too. So on top of the chariots, they have, like, you know, uh, three guys on there with javelins and arrows. It's like, oh, my goodness, we don't have that. And not just that, we're a bunch of little guys. And look at these guys. These guys are giants. These guys are huge. And not just that, but we're just, you know, a small group of people. These guys are like 20 times more numerous than us. And Moses is telling this generation, he's saying, not if. He's saying, when you go into warfare and you see these things with your eyes, these people, mighty, mighty armies, He says to them in verse 1, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of them. For the the Lord your God is with you. Remember, he's speaking to this second generation. And so, you know, now it's, you know, it's a piece of cake. When when, when some, I mean, say you and me, say you and me, we go to church. And it's, everything's on point. You know, we love the Lord. We fear the Lord. The pastor loves the Lord, fears the Lord, and he teaches. And, you know, we're done with service. And, you know, we're in the parking lot. We're talking. And it's like, wow, that was such a beautiful message. Wow, that's so powerful. You know, I want to apply that in my life. And I want to live to honor the Lord. And, wow, all these things. But that's just like 20 minutes after the sermon. What about tomorrow? You know, will we still have those same feelings? What about the next week? Will we still have those same feelings? Wow, I want to honor the Lord. I want to continue to fear the Lord. I want these things, you know, because it's a piece of cake to be like, you know, to have this fire in our hearts, fire in our bosoms. It's a piece of cake to have these fires 20 minutes after a sermon. But then what about tomorrow? What about the next day? And we figure, okay, you know, we we went to church. We're good to go. Now we don't have to go to church for another month. You see? And understand that church, I'm doing my air quotes, church in the last days will be a very, very dangerous place. Majority speaking, speaking of the masses. Church, not might be, will be a very dangerous place in the last days. Now, you have to be a Berean. To understand, to know what the Bible says and understand scriptures, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember, knowledge is a gift. But then at the same time, to sit inside a fellowship, sit inside a church and be like, okay, this guy is teaching truth. Because he says this about this and it aligns perfectly with what the Bible teaches. You know, we go verse by verse, line upon line and everything matches. Everything is a perfect fit. The square fits in the square. The circle fits in the circle. The triangle fits in the triangle. The rectangle in the rectangle. Everything fits. But then, for example, you and me, we go to church. We're new in town. We go to church. We sit down and we're like, wait a second. Here the Bible says X, Y, Z, which is a square. And you have this guy, he's teaching, he's trying to ram the circle inside the square. It's, it doesn't fit. And that's a message for you and me. We got to jump ship. 
Time to find another church. So we're in church number two. Okay, we're new in town. We're going to sit in the pews. We're sitting in the pews. Hi, God bless you. Hello, nice to meet you. God bless you, all these things. And all of a sudden, female pastor comes out. Okay, we got to jump ship. That's not the right formula. They're trying to put a triangle shape in a circle hole. It doesn't fit. It doesn't match. And these are just two examples. But the formula must be right. The formula must be right. It's very important. I can't stress that enough. I can't emphasize that enough. And because I can't emphasize that enough, we say it over and over and over and over. There's a lot of repetition in the Bible, which is why from time to time you see like, man, there's a lot of repetition with this guy, you know, because the Lord knows. He knows all we like sheep have gone astray. There's a lot of repetition for you and me because the Lord knows what he's working with. And I love this. Moses saying to this next generation, yes, you guys are numerous, but you're going to go into these areas and you're going to see these peoples who are more numerous than you and maybe even more mighty than you, carnally speaking, but no one and no thing No, anything is more mighty than the Lord. Nothing. There is nothing more mighty than the Lord. Remember that. Bind that to your heart and bind that to your mind and bind it to your soul deep down to the marrow. There is nothing more mighty than the Lord. Moses is saying this to this younger generation. Don't be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you. Now, there's something to understand here. It's absolutely true that the Lord is with this second generation. Absolutely true. At this particular moment, when the people are gathered and old man Moses is giving this discourse, this this exhortation, these warnings, these urgings, when he's saying these things, it is absolutely true that the Lord is with them. But in the course of time, we're going to get into Joshua. We're going to get into uh, 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 Judges. We're going to get into uh, 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 all these different books. And we're going to read and you're going to ask a question. And I'll even pose this question. Is Israel with the Lord? It's very true that the Lord is with the people. At this moment, Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, it is absolutely true. This audience, this this audience that Moses is speaking to, old man Moses, to young people Israel, the second generation. Remember, first generation, they're dead. Chastised by the Lord in the wilderness. 11-day journey became 40 years. And that first generation, dead. The second generation, which passes into the promised land, which is the same for believers. In order to enter paradise, in order to enter the promised land, as new covenant believers, you must be born again. First generation born into Adam, not shall not pass, cannot pass. First generation born into Adam, Cannot pass, cannot enter the promised land. You must be born again. 
We see these Old Testament examples of first generation and second generation, and that's exactly what they are, examples for you and for me. Now, if you're listening and you're not a believer, you're like, you know, you you believe in the Lord, but you've never been born again. Be born again. Hit pause, listen to the message to uh, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ, and you commit your life to Jesus Christ right here, right now. I don't care what the naysayers say. You might have family that thinks you're stupid. You might have friends that think you're so stupid. I don't care what you've done. I don't care about your history. You hit pause right here, right now, and you commit your life to Jesus Christ. Let today, right here, right now, today be the day of salvation for you because God loves you. He loves you. And he wants that intimacy with you, that oneness with you. But it's sin that causes that separation. And what removes that separation? Jesus Christ. Sin separates you from the Lord. And that sin is not just erased. That sin goes from you to Jesus Christ and he paid the penalty for your sin and for my sin by his death the wages of sin is death and without that holy transaction so to speak without that holy transaction that transfer of your sin and my sin to Jesus Christ that means you have to pay the penalty but when you're born again you believe in Jesus Christ There's a transfer of sin, that debt. It goes to Jesus Christ and he died on the cross. It's very holy. The first generation cannot enter. The first generation must die. Old Testament, first generation dies. New Testament, new covenant believers, even today, first generation cannot pass. Cannot enter the promised land, paradise. You must be born again. Commit your life to Jesus Christ. And so we continue to understand these passages when Moses is saying, do not be afraid of them. These people who are more numerous than you, they got the horses, they got the chariots, they're so mighty, they got the the big arms. These guys are huge. Oh my goodness, I can't even arm wrestle this guy. How can I beat him in a fight? How can I beat him? I'm a little pipsqueak next to him. Oh, he just flicks his finger and I'm dead. And I have to go to war with this guy? That's the carnal eyes. When we see these things with carnal eyes, but understand the Lord, when, when, you're, when you walk with the Lord, your intimacy with Him, He's with you. And yes, these, 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 uh, this opposition, these adversaries, they might be mighty. But remember, there is nothing more mighty than the Lord. Nothing, absolutely nothing. But then it comes another question. Yes, the Lord is with Israel. Yes, the Lord is with uh, saints. But are the saints, is Israel, are they with the Lord? As new covenant believers, saints of these last days, are we with the Lord? 
Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, once saved, always saved. I did the altar call when I was 10 years old. And so what? I go to the strip club now and then. You know, I do this pornography. I do my crack. I do my alcohol. You know, boys will be boys. You know, men will be men. So, yeah, these things are permissible. So, look, you know, once saved, always saved. And these are people who go into spiritual combat. These are people who think they're going to be okay in spiritual warfare. doesn't work that way. In the Old Testament, when you see victory in warfare, it's when Israel is close with the Lord. And when I say close, it's not just like, you know, like in proximity. I mean, there is no daylight between them and the Lord. You see it in Israel. You see it in Judah. You see it in not all priests, some priests. You see it in the prophets. You see false prophets too. And where you see the bad, where you see the false prophets and the bad priests and uh, uh, Israel that's not uh, in obedience to the Lord, where you see that, you always see daylight between them and the Lord. You always see a gap between them and the Lord. Sometimes the gap is little. Sometimes the gap is enormous. And when when there's any gap, don't expect victory. Whether it be in Israel, whether it be in Judah, whether it be in a person, whether it be in a male, whether it be in a female, where you see a gap between a person and the Lord or a people and the Lord, do not expect victory. The same thing applies to you and me. Where you see gaps in your relationship with Jesus Christ, the Lord. Remember, Jesus Christ, I'm just the messenger. Jesus Christ, I and my Father are one. There's no gap between Him and the Father. I and my Father are one. And so, where you see a gap between a Christian, a saint, And Jesus Christ, do not expect victory in that believer. Yes, they believe in Jesus Christ. But when it's time for war, do not expect that Christian to have victory. It's just the opposite. Expect that Christian to have losses. Expect that Christian to experience a loss in warfare. And it's not just the Christians going to war. And when I say Christians going to war, I'm speaking spiritually, spiritual warfare, which we're going to study more. It just so happens on Sunday, Lord willing. But it just so happens you see these alignment with Old Testament and New Testament. And you see that happen from time to time with varying frequencies. But from my perspective, I absolutely love it. You know why? Because it's like a reminder that the Lord is with us. It's like confirmation. When you see these correlations, you know, it just so happens that we're studying this on Wednesday. It just so happens that we're studying this on Sunday. It's like little markers. We're on the right track as we traverse the land in these last days. As we navigate the waters in these last days, as we navigate the lands in these last days, the Lord is teaching us about these aspects of spiritual warfare. Warfare, absolutely. But as New Covenant Covenant believers, it is spiritual. A lot of times people, uh, Christians, oh, yes, spiritual warfare. I'm ready for this fight. I'm ready for this fight. So what if I go grave soaking? 
So what if I, you know, uh, uh, have this study Bible where the guy says, go take the mark of the beast and I'll still be saved. No big deal. So what? You know, God is love. And, you know, remember the real Jesus Christ, his word is above his name. That's how you'll know. And people who aren't closely aligned with the real Jesus Christ will be in a combat scenario, spiritually speaking. And you will see people lose. And you'll know why they lose. Because they go grave soaking. A necromancy, an abomination before the Lord. Listen to our study through, you know, uh, several chapters ago in Deuteronomy. Grave soaking, not good. Don't do that. And yet you have Christians today that, that do exactly that. Christians. I'm th- the world is the world. I'm talking about Christians. Saints. People who believe in Jesus Christ, which is beautiful. But now comes obedience unto Jesus Christ. No gap between you and him. No gap between you and him. Where you see a gap between you and Jesus. Now, sometimes I know there are listeners who, you know, it's like a, a, a Bible study with 10 people. They're in a home and they're around a table and there's 10 people and they have a phone in the middle or some kind of uh, audio device and they hit play. And sometimes people hit pause and they translate. And I know this is happening across the globe. And you might be looking right into the eyes of a a good friend or maybe a spouse or maybe even children or maybe even uh, parents or, you know, friends or your neighbor. And that's beautiful. I love it. But let's get a little more intimate here, you and me. I'm speaking to you. Your intimacy with Jesus Christ. Forget everybody else. Forget everything and everybody else. You and Jesus, let there be no gap between you and him. And that means you're so close to him. That means like you're hugging him so tightly and he's hugging you so tightly that if, if, if I were to, you know, try and get like cause some kind of separation, like, you know, like just you guys are cheek to cheek, you and Jesus. And I try to put my finger and, and I can't even put my finger. That's how close you guys are. No daylight between you and him. You and Jesus, cheek to cheek. And it's beautiful. Now, I love family units. I love the fellowship of the saints. And when I say these things, it's not to be abrasive. But when you stand before the Lord, it's going to be you and him only. It's not going to be you and, you know, your uncles and, you know, your kids and, you know, moms and dads and spouses. It's nothing like it's you and the Lord. You have a choice to make. I desire in a home, in a fellowship, I desire everybody to have this closeness and intimacy with the Lord. But that's a choice that we all have to make, myself included. We're in the same boat. We all have to make these choices. And where you see a gap, where you see a gap between a Christian and the real Jesus, you see losses in warfare, 
in spiritual combat. People say, oh, I have closest look. I'm cheek to cheek with Jesus and he wants me to go grave soaking. Huh? You're going to lose your battles. I'm cheek to cheek with Jesus and you know what? I'm going to take the mark of the beast. I'll still be saved because my pastor says it's okay. Well, you're going to lose your battles. That's the wrong Jesus. Get a new pastor. Oh, I'm cheek to cheek with Jesus. I love him so much and I'm cheek to cheek with him and he's a replacement. He teaches replacement. The Bible says that God is done with Israel. Well, you're going to lose your battles, my friend. You're going to lose your battles because you're cheek to cheek with the wrong Jesus. His word is above his name. The real Jesus does not deviate from his word. The fake ones do and there are many. Don't be cheek to cheek with the fake. That is of Satan. It's a trap. Oh, I believe in Jesus and I'm so in love with Jesus. And look, we're cheek to cheek and it's so beautiful. We have this intimacy and I hold on to him and he holds on to me. We go grave soaking that the spirit of the Lord will come out of the grave and into me. Listen, you're going to enter the grave. Be cheek to cheek with the real Jesus. You see, and this is hardcore because when you understand a person's proximity to the Lord, a people's proximity to the Lord, you're going to see exactly why there are victories and exactly why there are losses and they take casualties. Old Testament, New Testament, you're going to know exactly why. Israel wants to worship the Baals and the Molechs of what they are warned not to do, you're going to see them lose battles. You see? The temple is defiled. The tabernacle is defiled. The, the, the built temple is defiled. You're going to know exactly why they go into exile. You're going to know exactly why judgment comes. It's because of their proximity to the Lord. The gap Instead of being cheek to cheek with the Lord. The Lord's in one place and they start walking away. They start deviating. Sidestep, 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 sidestep. The gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And in the case of Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Lord, you know, Israel, they have these, they have the, the priests and the priests. They have the prophets. And the Lord says, Jeremiah, these prophets don't speak for me. These prophets speak for themselves, speak for their bellies. They don't speak for me. Same with Ezekiel. Ezekiel, Lord, you have these priests. These priests, you have them. Look, they're holy men. They have their task to do this. The Lord says, you think they're holy? You really think these priests are holy, Ezekiel? Let me show you something, Ezekiel. He goes to the wall. Ezekiel, put your finger, put your, make a hole in the wall. Put your finger here. Ezekiel, okay, Lord. Notice when you see this happen, you see the obedience of Ezekiel unto the Lord. Okay, Lord, I'll do exactly like you said. I'll put my finger. Now look inside, Ezekiel. Okay, Lord. Looks inside. What do you see, Ezekiel? And he saw all kinds of disgusting filth the, of the people, the men who he thought were holy people. I'm doing my air quotes. He thought, 
He presumed that these were holy people. But they were not. Because the Lord who knows, the Lord who sees, says, Ezekiel, you think these guys are holy? They're not. Let me show you. And Ezekiel's just like blown away. What? And then the Lord says, Ezekiel, I'm going to show you things that are worse. And then he sees again. Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. And the Lord, I'm going to show you things that are worse. You see? You see, the priests, their proximity to the Lord was nothing. Ezekiel, cheek to cheek. The prophets, their proximity to the Lord, nothing. Jeremiah, cheek to cheek. You see? And then you see how the Lord uses his vessels. The vessels that he uses, all 100% of these vessels are cheek to cheek. The vessels that the Lord uses, always, Old Testament, New Testament, always, 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 cheek to cheek. No gap. And it's the same in these last days. The vessels that the Lord uses, cheek to cheek with the Lord. Very true things that we see here. Very beautiful and these true promises. What the Lord says in verse 1 at the end or kind of in the middle. Do not be afraid of these people. Do not be afraid of them. They got the chariots. They got the horses. They, they Look at their arms. They're huge. And I'm just a little pipsqueak. Don't be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now, interesting too, don't forget this second generation. They can learn from the mistakes and the errors of the previous generation from their parents and grandparents. Sometimes parents and grandparents can be a beautiful example of what to do in a walk with Jesus Christ. You see, mom and dad cheek to cheek with the Lord. It's like, okay, you know, I'm the son, I'm the daughter, and I'm going to do exactly like them. It was good for them, and I'm learning from their example. Look, grandma and grandpa, they're cheek to cheek with the Lord, and I'm going to learn from them. How beautiful it is for those children. But the majority of time, you don't see that. You see the opposite. Oh, grandma, grandpa, they're not cheek to cheek with the Lord. Okay, so I'm learning what not to do. Mom and dad, they're not cheek to cheek with the Lord. And you know, you see the fruit of it. So I'm learning what not to do. Very interesting because this all correlates with the studies that our Lord had us in, 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 in Galatians or in Ephesians chapter five and six. Exhortation for wives and husbands and children and fathers. To understand when you see this proximity to the Lord. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And remember, this proximity that you have and can have with the Lord. This proximity. You don't have to be a Bible expert. You don't even have to know the Bible. When you have this proximity with the real Jesus, all of a sudden, these gifts of the Spirit 
You could know nothing about Jesus Christ. You could know nothing about the Bible. And yet you heed my call for you to repent and receive Jesus Christ. And you listen, you hit pause, you listen to the message, you commit your life to Jesus Christ, you say the sinner's prayer, and you commit your life to Jesus Christ. You know nothing about the Bible, you know nothing about the real Jesus Christ, but because your proximity to him at this particular moment is cheek to cheek. Now, you stay there. And all of a sudden, you continue to study the Bible and you start to learn, and you start to have this knowledge, which is a gift of the Spirit. You start to be a Berean. You used to be a jerk before. You know, when you, before you came to Christ, you used to be just a mean jerk. You used to be super carnal, the sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the whole nine yards. But now you don't do those things anymore because you're cheek to cheek with the Lord. You're not cheek to cheek with, uh, cheek to cheek with Satan anymore. You see? You're cheek to cheek with Jesus Christ, son of the most high, son of the most high, son of the almighty God. There's nothing, no person, no nothing higher than him. And you're cheek to cheek with his only begotten son. You think whatever adversary you face is any form of competition? The answer is no. I love when you see, we're going to study these passages, these prophetic passages. You know, we're going to study these scenes, these, these things in due time. But what's so powerful about the, 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 the battle of Armageddon and you see the forces of Antichrist, you know, they're, they're coming against Israel. And from one sense, they start to defeat Israel. And when Israel is disarmed, so to speak, when they can no longer fight, all of a sudden, Jesus Christ riding on a cloud and the forces of Antichrist come against Jesus Christ. And you know, it's not like the commander of the armies of heaven says, you know, okay, everybody brace for it, brace for impact. No, you don't see that. You know what the son of the almighty God says? And, you know, using these, these angels to cry out. He says, <laughs> Call out to the birds. <laughs> do you know, carnally speaking, do you know how crazy that sounds? Carnally speaking, you're going into, you see the, the enemy forces coming against you and you're, you're coming up, you know, like the breach, so to speak. And it's like, okay, brace for impact or, you know, brace for whatever, you know, we're going to engage and brace for this, brace for that. And you don't see the commander of the armies of heaven saying that. You see, you know, Call out to the birds. <laughs> call, call out to the birds. And what's what's this message to the birds? Hey, birds. I mean, remember, meanwhile, meanwhile, the forces of Antichrist are like getting ready to attack Jesus Christ when he returns. The forces of Antichrist are like in the process of attacking Jesus Christ. And then the call of the Lord. Hey, birds, I mean, that's like you seemingly like off topic, seemingly off, like, like instead of saying brace for impact or, you know, like, you know, we're going to engage instead of the commander of the army saying, you know, we're going to engage, prepare yourself for battle. You see this call out to the birds, hey, birds, 
All you birds from near and far, gather over here. You know why, birdies? Because all these armies of the forces of Antichrist, you're going to feed on their dead carcasses. See? The forces of Antichrist, which are growing mightier and mightier in these last days. And I say that with carnal eyes. I mean, not with carnal eyes, but I say that, you know, carnally speaking, with carnal eyes, you see the forces of Antichrist, the beast from the sea and the beast from the earth, prophetically speaking. Listen to our study, if you've been walking on this for a while, uh, 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 Revelation 13. You see these beasts emerging in these last days for such a time as this, but then at the same time, you, you see their, their might and their terror, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. relatively innocuous at this time. It's going to get worse. According to scripture, it's going to get worse. And of this, I'm doing my air quotes, mighty antichrist and forces of the beast system. The, the beast, beast's systems, because they're the beast from the sea and the beast from the earth. Seemingly mighty, I'm doing my air quotes. And from, for the Almighty, Son of the Almighty to say, call out to the birds. Hey, birds, gather from afar. Because yes, this, this so-called mighty people, these mighty armies, you, you're going to be feasting on them. I'm, I'm calling you to a feast. You're going to feast on their carcasses. That's how insignificant the Antichrist and his forces and Satan is. To the Almighty. Yes, they're powerful. But that's how insignificant they are to the Almighty. Instead of, you know, brace for impact. No, birds, come on. Flap your wings, beautiful birds, because you're going to feast. You see? Now, proximity to the Almighty, proximity to Jesus Christ. Old Testament, New Testament. When you see that cheek-to-cheekness in Israel, in the prophets, in the priests, you see beauty. The utmost beauty. You see that? You see it today. Christians who are cheek-to-cheek with Jesus Christ, you look at their lives. It's like, this is so glorious. This is so beautiful. But where you don't see cheek-to-cheek, among Christians, you see filth, you see ugly, you see ruin, you see destruction, you see judgment, you see wrath. You say, wait a second, I thought you said they were Christians. Okay, somebody might say, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Look, I did the altar call when I was 10 years old. Once saved, always saved. I go to this church over here. The guy says, take the mark of the beast. I'll still be saved. No big deal. He also says, that you know, God is done with Israel. The, these promises, look, the promise of the Lord. Look, we're in Deuteronomy 20 and verse 1. Don't be afraid. The Lord, your God is with you. So look, the God is with me. The Bible says, you know, God is sovereign. The Bible says here, I don't have to be afraid of anything because the Lord, your God, the Lord is with me. So I don't, you know, so what if I go grave soaking? So what if I do the re- replacement and God is done with Israel? So what if I want to take the mark of the beast and, you know, the pastor says I'll still be saved. No big deal. It's a huge deal. With eternal consequences. 
It's a huge deal. And in the life of such a person, they say they're a Christian. They might believe in Jesus Christ, but then several other variables come into play. Is there obedience to Jesus Christ? And is there obedience to the real Jesus Christ? Because you might see obedience to Jesus Christ, but lowercase c. It's a fake Christ, of which will be vast and many in the last days. We're warned about. These are the signs of the times. Many Christs. Many, many Christs. And you know, we're living in such a time where you're starting to see these things. The world is the world. We're seeing signs in the world. But we're also seeing signs among Christians. And where you don't see the following of truth, truth, the truth of the word of God, you're also seeing these, the effect of that. You could say a curse. You're also seeing the effect of that. Those who are in truth, you see beauty, you see safety, you see light, you see Goshen. But it's among those with an adherence to truth. That's the remnant that is being refined in these last days. Outside of that, outside of a firm adherence to truth, Outside of that, among Christians, you're starting to see ruin, destruction, filth. You're starting to see all kinds of disgusting things. Why? Because no adherence to truth. And when there's no love of truth, the Bible says strong delusion is the result. The Lord responds with delusion. Such people are delusional. And that's what you're seeing in the last day's church. I'm doing my air quotes. The last day's church. People say, oh, look, the the, the rapture is pre-tribulational. Why? Because after chapter 4 of Revelation, you don't see the word church. You don't see the word church after chapter 4 in Revelation. Therefore, the rapture has already happened. Wrong. It's because the church is entering judgment. It converts to the word saint. Because all oh, those are those are tribulation saints. The rapture happened. Wrong. Listen to our study. Now, if you're pre if you if you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, I love you. But there are two studies that you need to listen to. One of them is called uh, uh, Jacob's Trouble, biblically explained, and then the other one is called When is the Rapture? And you'll understand. I love you. If you're pre-tribulation rapture, I love you. But biblically, it is a lie. It is false. It is fake. There is a rapture. Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. But you must listen to our studies. I love you. I don't say this to, to hurt you. I know it's an affront to many listeners. What? The rapture is not pre-tribulation? But this, look, I went to seminary. Look, I'm a pastor. and I teach pre-tribulation. You're telling me the, the, the rapture is not pre-tribulation? No. 
the, the 70th week, the prophesied 70th week could happen any day now. Any day now. The, the, the geopolitical factions that are happening in Israel, uh, across the, the Arab countries, Arab world, and the Middle Eastern country, and the Middle Eastern area, the Abraham Accords, all of these things are happening for such a time as this. And when that 70th week of Daniel starts, when the, the, the signing of the peace agreement or the treaty, whatever form that looks like, when that happens, you know what should happen among Christians? Every single Christian at that moment should, should know that the pre-tribulation rapture theory was only a theory. Because in accordance with the pre-tribulation rapture doctrine, the church shouldn't be here. So if you're pre-tribulation, I love you and I say don't be pre-tribulation, but if you want to continue in that, and I don't say do that, but if, if you do continue in that, I love you. But when we see this peace agreement with Israel and the Arab countries when we see this happen, if you continue in the pre-tribulation rapture theory, you are in da- you're in danger now. But you will be in extreme danger if you hold on to that theory. You gotta let it go. You gotta jump ship. And I don't say this to hurt you. I know it's abrasive because the majority of Christians. They believe in pre-tribulation rapture. Majority. But where you see strong adherence to truth, close proximity to Jesus Christ, the real Jesus Christ, cheek to cheek, where do you see that? That's where you see light. And if you see it in a church, at most you'll have a church with 30 people. At most. Because where you see cheek to cheek in a pastor, where you see cheek to cheek in elders, where you see cheek to cheek in a fellowship, it, the it—it's it, not Corinth that's coming to the the church. It's not the world coming into the church. You see a holy people and being lukewarm. It's very dangerous, but a lukewarm heart, there's, it's, it's repellent to Goshen. Lukewarm heart is repellent to holiness. And I say this from experience because I used to be lukewarm. You see, it's very important because a lot of times we read these beautiful passages like in verse one. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you. And it's okay, beautiful, the Lord is with me. But you always have to ask a question. Am I with the Lord? Ask that of yourself. Am I with the Lord? Because if I'm with the Lord, now that's the actuator. I am with the Lord. You are with the Lord. We are with the Lord. That's the actuator. Now comes into play these things. Okay, now I'm not going to be afraid because the Lord is with us. 
You see? And where you see a gap, okay? So I believe in Jesus Christ, but I go grave soaking. I believe in Jesus Christ, but I go to the strip clubs. I believe in Jesus Christ, but I do the alcohol and the drugs and all these things. And But I believe in Jesus Christ. Now war comes. And I say, well, look, the Lord is with me, so I, I don't have to be afraid of them. No, listen, you better be afraid of them. Because of your proximity with the Lord being so vast and huge, There is no your proximity to the Lord is zero. Now those guys with the chariots and the horses and the big arms, they're going to kill you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to do serious damage to you. You see? And that's what you see in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament and you see it today. Christians losing battles. All you have to do is look at the fruit. Oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. So what if I beat on my wife? I believe in Jesus Christ. A wife. Oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. So what if my husband beats me? I'm going to submit to him because I believe in Jesus Christ. You see kids. Oh, look, we believe in Jesus Christ. The Lord is with us. And we go into spiritual battle and we're going to be victorious because the Bible says we're going to be victorious. Oh, I got some downtime. Let's, let's play with the Ouija board. You see, there's no victory there. You see it. Look at the fruit. A lot of Christians, it's almost like a pride and arrogance thing. They like to give counsel. Well, you know, let's sit down here. Let's talk about this. You know, the Bible says this, so therefore, I think you should do this or you should do that and that, 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 that. Manipulation. With the hands of men. And then you see the Christians on the receiving end of such counsel. And they do exactly what they're told. Oh, look, this is a godly person. I'm going to do exactly what they said and all these things. You're not going to see the hand of the Lord. You're going to see destruction. You're going to see mess everywhere. Why? There's no cheek to cheek. The person, anybody giving counsel must be cheek to cheek with Jesus Christ, the real Jesus. When I see cheek to cheek in a male or female, when I see cheek to cheek, I listen to what they say. From a pastor, you know, if the Lord didn't call me in this specific ministry, I would relocate. I would relocate not to, you know, oh, I'm going to go over here because it's good for taxes. I'm going to go over here because it's good for business. I'm going to go over here because it's good for whatever. No, I'm going to go over here because that's a godly man who teaches. I look at the fellowship. Those are godly people. They're ministries that go into all areas of the world. A lot of ministries into the, uh, 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 the, uh, uh, the underground church. Everything is very, very of the utmost secretive. Because it's underground. Where if anything gets found out by the local authorities in those countries... Christians will die. Christians will be imprisoned. Christians will be beaten. And had there not been this specific ministry, I'd be with those guys. 
submitting myself to those guys. And, you know, a pastor team, elder team, being in that bubble. You see? Cheek to cheek. And, you know, they would speak, they would get counsel. Okay, I'm going to listen to what he says. And I'm going to, you know, he says something, I'm going to be a Berean, check the scriptures, okay? Bing, bing, boom, boom, everything aligns, okay? Understand that he watches out for my soul. Just like we study in Ephesians 5 and 6, how beautiful it is to heed the counsel of a pastor. But as Bereans, you got to make sure, is the pastor on point? Cheek to cheek, that's what you look for. And you see the fruit. And when you see that, when the... I'm going to repent for saying it like this, but I say it because I want you to understand when the stars are aligned, when you see that alignment, it is beautiful. And Satan doesn't want that to happen. He'll attempt to kill people. He'll attempt to beat people. And in some cases, he will be successful in doing that. Look at Stephen, the first martyr. Look at Paul, left for dead. Look at the early church. You see? It's very powerful when we understand the cheek-to-cheek concept. It's very true. Do not be afraid of them for the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. But then the question is posed. What is Israel's proximity to the Lord? What is your proximity to the Lord? What is my proximity to the Lord? And when it's close, when it's cheek to cheek, look at verse 2. So it shall be when, again, not if, when you are on the verge of battle. Straight up like, you know, the, the, the battle starts tomorrow. Or, you know, we wake up in the morning and boom, the battle starts now. The, the battle starts in a couple hours. The battlefield, we see it. We see the armies, they're approaching. We see it. We can, you know, the, the, the smells of the battlefield. Everything, it's palpable. We're not even, you know, we have our war gear on. And when you are on the verge of battle in verse 2, it's not, oh, let's let the mighty guys, okay, let's let's arrange everything so we got to, you know, have this nice formation so we can breach. We got to be, be in this specific formation based upon the movements of the enemy. We got to be in this certain formation. We got to put these people here in this position and these. We got to flank over here and, you know, all these different things. No air support because we're in biblical times. There is air support, you know, in one regard from the Lord. Support from above. Look at from a strategic standpoint. This is crazy. No disrespect to the Lord. But from a strategic standpoint, carnally speaking, this is crazy. So it shall be in verse 2 when you are on the verge of battle that the priest, the priest shall, you're going to send out the priest? 
You're going to send out the priests? Look, the, 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 we're on the verge of battle and you're going to mobilize the priests? Yes. Carnally speaking, it's crazy. No disrespect to the Lord, but that's carnally speaking. Spiritually speaking, it is lovely. It is beautiful. It is tactical. It is instruction for victory. To win wars, to win battles, to win the fight. The preach, the, 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 the priest shall approach and speak to the people. Notice, everyone in this scenario, Moses is telling the second generation, when you're on the verge of battle, everyone is close to God. The warriors have specific duties, but so do the priests. The priest shall approach and speak to the people. In verse 3, and he shall say to them, notice, this is the priest. Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies or your adversaries. And remember, these adversaries, these enemies, like in verse 1, they're mighty. They got the horses, they got the chariots, there's people more numerous. Carnally speaking, like, oh my goodness, these guys are huge. I got my little noodle arms. These guys have arms the size of my torso. They got the, and that's just one guy. There's like a million of them. And that's just the humans. They got these horses and their horses are huge. And not just that, their horses are got the battle gear. They got the iron plates. And not just that, they also have chariots. And on top of the chair, in the chariots, there's like five guys in there. They got the arrows, they got the javelin, and they got a lot of arrows so they can shoot a lot. Oh my goodness. But that's with carnal eyes. And the priest speaks to the people. Today you're on the verge of battle. He says in verse 3, do not let your heart faint. You see? <clears throat> now, doctrine comes into play here. Doctrine is always in play. But when I say doctrine comes into play here, because a lot of times people have this notion of the sovereignty of God, which is biblically true. But the sovereignty of God in accordance with Calvinism and Reformed theory is wrong. God is absolutely sovereign, 100%. There is none higher. He is sovereign. But when it's written here, he says, today you're on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Now, in accordance with the sovereignty as defined by Calvin, would say, okay, therefore, look, you know, God, God doesn't want your heart to be faint. So in the sovereignty of the Lord, he wills that you will not faint. He wills that you will not be afraid. You see? No, the Bible says, do not let your heart faint. Which means you and me have a role to play. Who am I going to trust? Who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust your eyes? Human eyes? Your carnal eyes? Are you going to trust what you see? 
the mighty armies. We like well, you look at me, I look at you, and we're noodle arms. You know, and we see these guys. Oh my goodness, this guy's arm is the size of like two of our torsos. His neck is the size of like a tree trunk. A redwood. Look at his thighs. His thighs are enormous. I can't even pick up that sword and he's going to use that sword like it's like it's a toothpick in his hand. I can't even pick up that sword. That sword must weigh 100 pounds. And that's just one guy. There's thousands of them. Oh, but God is sovereign. He's not going to let me faint. He's not going to let my heart faint. He wills that my heart won't faint. No, the Bible says do not let your heart faint. There's a role that you and me have to play. We either trust our eyes or we trust in the word of the Lord. And in trusting the word of the Lord, we close our eyes, our carnal eyes. Because we're a people who walk by faith and not by sight. You see? And that's how we trust in the Lord. Now, if you're Calvinist and Reformed, I love you, but you got to jump ship. Listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. You'll understand. You'll understand more. Because yes, a lot of Calvinists are Reformed. They say, well, the Bible says this. Absolutely true. But it is also written. It is also written. Don't forget the vast amount of it is also written. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. And if you're Calvinist or Reformed, I love you, but I say this to you. Come out of her, my people, and commit your life to the real Jesus Christ. The real Jesus Christ. Not the fake that says it's okay to take the mark of the beast and you'll still be saved. Not the fake that says, you know, read these books of the, from, the, from our you know, coalition and God is done with Israel. Nope. Nope. That's the fake. I'm talking about the real Jesus Christ. Yes, God is sovereign. You and me, we respond to the sovereign. How? Bowing our hearts, bowing our souls in worship and adoration of him. Which is a choice. It's not just automatic. Oh, God is sovereign and he wills that, you know, I'm of the elect. So look, we're good to go. Nope. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. It's a choice. It's a choice. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid in verse 3. And do not tremble or be terrified because of them. You see, this is the battlefield. This is the battlefield. This isn't like, you know, the fight's coming next month. This is the, the fight's coming next year. No, the fight is right here, right now. The formula better be right. Look at all the, the actuators when Israel is cheek to cheek with the Lord. Now look, that, that's the actuator. But look at all these promises when the battle comes. Number one, man, verse one, don't be afraid of them for the Lord your God is with you. But yet at the same time, you know, do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. These are promises for you and for me today. And this formula, this holy formula, it better be right in us. It better be right in you and it better be right in me. 
Because if it's not, we will lose. If the formula is not right, we will lose. You see? And that's what you see in the last day's church. You don't see victory upon victory upon victory upon victory. You see the opposite. Oh, I'm being attacked by Satan. Look, you know, I'm a meth head and I'm being attacked by Satan. Listen, if you're a, if you're on meth, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Cut it out. Go and sin no more. There is a better way. You say, wait a second. You don't know the stronghold of meth. This is a mighty, mighty hold. It is. There's no denying the power of meth. But it's not the almighty. There is healing in Jesus Christ. Oh, I've heard that all the time. All these Christians, they come to me. They say, oh, there's healing in Jesus Christ. And I've tried it and that didn't work that way. Look, I'm still on meth. I'll rephrase it. There is healing in the real Jesus Christ. The formula must be right. You're on meth? Repent. You're on crack? Repent. You're on pornography? Repent. You do your alcohol? Repent. Your little white lies? Repent. Your Ouija boards? Repent. Repent, 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 repent. Be alive in Jesus Christ. Don't walk in the ways of the dead. Let the dead bury the dead. But as for the living, walk with Christ, the real Jesus. In verse 4, the priest says, For the Lord your God. Now, this is very, very personal the lord your god is he who goes with you so it's so powerful that example we gave you know we're at the battlefield we're standing it's like you know instead of instead of strategic analysis instead of strategic placement you know we put these guys over here these guys over here and this and plank over here and formation like this and this and this and instead of that the priest speaks the priest speaks. And all these exhortations, all these warnings, don't let your heart faint, don't be afraid, don't tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God, he goes out with you. Yeah, these guys got the big arms, but who cares? They got necks like the redwood trees. They got thighs the size of boulders. So What? Yeah, he's mighty. Yeah, his sword weighs a hundred pounds, but it's like a toothpick in his hands. And? And? Did he create the world? Was he there from the beginning? Does he exist in a mother's womb? Does he make the wind blow? Does he cause the waves to crash? Does he feed the gazelle? Does the 
Do the planets move because of the might of this guy? No, he's a pipsqueak. He's nothing. He's nothing. I'll say it again. This mighty guy is nothing. This meth is nothing. This crack is nothing. This cocaine is nothing. This pornography is nothing. These, this sexual addiction is nothing. This Buddha, nothing. Mary, nothing. I'm the Mary in accordance with the Catholicism. The biblical Mary is beautiful. Not the fake, not the queen of heaven. Now, if you're Catholic, I love you. But come out of her, my people. We're warned about the seven hills. It is written. The Ouija boards, nothing. The occult, nothing. Oh, but you don't know how strong this meth is. I've been on meth for 10 years. And look at my teeth. Look at my body. Look at this. And you don't know. what You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. I might not know the depths of the meth. I might not know the depths of the crack and the cocaine. I might know the depths that you know. But what I do know is the might of the Almighty. His strength. Get the big arms and the redwood, the redwood tree neck of the meth, of the crack, of the sex, of the whatever. Oh, you Christians, you're so crazy. Look, I tried that and it didn't work out. Look, you know, it didn't work out. You know why it didn't work out? Several reasons. But the biggest one, perhaps you relied on a fake Jesus. One that the Bible warns about. The real Jesus, he heals. And I say this from experience. He heals. The real Jesus. The priest speaks. The Lord your God in verse 4. He goes with you. To fight for you. Against your enemies. To save you. In the case of Israel. These peoples that Israel goes into, the Lord is with you. Look, he, he, he goes, he, he, it's not just you going into battle. Because you're cheek to cheek with him. You're his vessel. He goes with you to fight for you. Against your enemies to save you. Because you guys are cheek to cheek with him. For Christians today, when the formula is right and you're cheek to cheek with the real Jesus, that alone is the effectuator of a whole gamut. A whole bunch of beautiful, beautiful promises. The meth, pipsqueak. The crack, pipsqueak. Pornography, pipsqueak. Alcohol, pipsqueak. Drugs, you know, sex, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. Anger, rage, violence, pipsqueak. You see, the formula must be right. So beautiful. It's so powerful. Notice, 
the numbers. The numbers are completely irrelevant. 100% completely irrelevant. You say, what are you talking about? Look at verse 1. When you go to battle against your enemies and see the horses and the chariots and the people more numerous than you. Now, what is the scale of that? It is, it's unknown. Say there's a thousand warriors of Israel, but a hundred thousand warriors of the adversary. Carnally speaking, you say, okay, Israel's going to lose. They're outnumbered. They're going to lose. It's, it's not even a fight. It's, it's a piece of cake. They're going to lose. But the Lord doesn't mention numbers. Because the might of 10,000, nothing. The might of 100,000, nothing. The, the might of a million, nothing. All that is Irrelevant. Whether the odds are a million to a thousand. You say, well, those odds are against us. Who cares? We're cheek to cheek with the Lord. Who cares? What about if it's just you? Cheek to cheek with the Lord. Who cares? You're cheek to cheek. With the Almighty. Your proximity to the Lord is beautiful. And these are things that you see in the holy bubbles that we study in Acts and Romans and Corinthians. These are things, this holy bubble. You see Paul cheek to cheek. You see Peter cheek to cheek. With the Lord, with Jesus Christ. And Paul teaching in this holy bubble, this concept of cheek to cheek. And Paul dies historically. I mean, it's not captured in scripture, but historically, I mean, everybody dies, but I mean, he was beheaded by Nero historically, church history. And Timothy. Titus, who learned to be cheek to cheek with Jesus. Now they continue in their ministry because they were part of this vessel of the Lord, speaking of Paul. They learned from this holy bubble. You see? And they go and continue in the ministry. You know what's so powerful? We read the gospel, listen to our study through our studies in Matthew. And you, and you read the gospel, and then you read Acts, and you see this aspect of spiritual warfare, which is beautiful. And if you remember our study in the Corinthians and, and Galatians, you know, you, we make this marker, this lineation, the delineation of time, and understand, okay, the birth of the church was right. First Corinthians 18, the birth of the Corinthian church. And then we start in First Corinthians, you see, okay, three years later, now there was arrested development for three years. Now, because of this arrested development for three years, Paul says to the Corinthian saints, okay, now you need to separate. You need to make this distinction between the remnant and the distinction between 11. And he says, separate from the 11. And that was three years. Three years. 
Look at what happened to Corinth after three years. Look at what happened to Galatia in just a short amount of time. Look at what happened to Galatia. A deviation from truth in just a short period of time. Look at today. Not three years, but 2,000 years, give or take a couple. You think there's going to be no deviation? When after three years, look what happened to Corinth. After several years, look what happened to Galatia. You think after 2,000 plus, give or take a couple, you think there's not going to be any deviation? There's absolutely deviation. Absolutely. In the majority. In the majority. I say in the majority, but... When you read <clears throat> Revelation 2 and 3, you read Revelation 2 and 3, seven churches, red letters, seven churches, Revelation 2 and 3, five out of seven are told to repent. Two are not told to repent. Why? Remnant. The majority enters crazy town. You see? When you see a people who are cheek to cheek with the Lord, male, female, I don't care. Remember, in Christ, there's no Jew, Gentile. Male, female, slave, free, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. Where you see cheek to cheek with Jesus Christ, I can't describe the beauty. I have no words to describe the utmost beauty you see. But it is that of our Lord. It is glo- such people. These are people like you. You you rip open their chest. I, I, I know that sounds carnal. <clears throat> I know that sounds graphic. When you see this cheek to cheek with Jesus Christ, the real Jesus, you rip, figuratively speaking, you rip open their chest, and you have to put on the thickest sunglasses ever because it's just like you're you're better off staring at the sun. S U N. You're better off staring at the sun because these people who are cheek to cheek with the real Jesus, you rip open their chest and you have to put on the thickest, 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 thickest sunglasses because you're looking at the glory of the sun, capital S-O-N, the glory of Jesus Christ. And in this world, they will be hated. They're beaten, they are bruised, they are killed, they are persecuted, they are... Why? Because Satan, he has to shut these people up. In his tactics, he has to shut these people up. And how does he do that? He'll beat them, he'll threaten them, and he'll kill them. Remember, remember the call to the birds? The Antichrist, Satan. Pipsqueak. Pipsqueak. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Oh, but in the spirit of Antichrist and his forces, they're going to chop off our heads. And fast track to, to Jesus. Fast track to heaven. Now, I have to say this. There's a crazy doctrine that has entered the church that has taught that suicide is a fast track to heaven. 
That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's murder of self. And thou shalt not commit murder. People, oh, suicide, fast track to heaven. So I'm just going to jump off a bridge. I'm going to bite the bullet. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But if the Antichrist, you know, wants to chop off your head, I don't want, what am I going to do with this head? To live is Christ, to die is gain. Take it. See? Antichrist, Satan, the beast of the sea, the beast from the earth. Pipsqueaks. Pipsqueaks. Nothing. Yes, they have power. And yes, they will have power on this earth, but even that is given to them by the Lord. Given to them. And they will have power to prevail against the saints. But even still, they're nothing. Because the Almighty comes riding, or the Son of the Almighty, riding on the cloud. And, you know, I and my Father are one. That's what Jesus says. I'm just the messenger. Riding on the clouds. And he doesn't say, okay, guys, brace for impact. Okay, guys, look, they got their tanks. They got their weapons. They're going to shoot these missiles at us and all these things. They got these nuclear weapons. They're going to fire all these things at us. Brace for impact. No. The commander of the armies of heaven gives the command to the angel and the angel in obedience calls out to the birds. Hey, birds, gather you from afar. Fly over here. Fly over here to this position. Because yes, there's this mighty army and they have devastated this world. But you're going to eat on their carcasses. You're going to feed on their dead bodies. They are nothing. They're little pipsqueaks to us. They're pipsqueaks to the Lord. They're pipsqueaks. They are nothing. Come on, birds. I hope you're hungry, birds. You see? The numbers of your opposition, what you face. Now, when you're cheek to cheek with the Lord, the numbers that you face, irrelevant. The might of what you face, irrelevant. Why? Because look what's written here. In verse 4, the Lord your God who is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. You say, ah, how was it good for Paul? He had his head chopped off. How was it good for Peter? He was hung upside down and died on the cross. How was it good? How was it good for them? They died. Where are they now, my friend? Paradise. And you think it's not good for them? Let's put things in perspective here, my friend. I love you, but let's put things in perspective. Now, look what happens here in verse 5. Then the officers, then the officers translates as the overseers. Very interesting, overseers, because as New Covenant believers, we also have overseers. You know who they are? 
pastors and elders, overseers. Then the officers shall speak to the people saying, remember, this is the officers who are overseers. What man is there who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Question mark. Who is there? Who is there who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? This is the officers who are making sure, making certain the formula needs to be right in the people. And if the formula is wrong, if there is among us a fellow, a man who has built a new house and has not dedicated it, this is the solution. Let him go and return to his house. You see? Let him go and return to his house. Don't go to battle. We don't want you on the battlefield. Because of your disobedience, could be disobedience, depending on the situation, you know. There are various scenarios. The majority of the time, it's disobedience. But there are various scenarios to where this could be explainable and biblically permissible. And if that's the case, you know, you're still good to go, but don't go to war. Your liability on the battlefield. And if it's a result of disobedience, it's the same. Don't go to war. Stay home. We're going to deal with you after the war. But stay home. You are a liability on the battlefield. Do not go to war. You see? Why? Because the formula is not right with such individual. The formula is not followed. And if it is not followed, it nullifies another formula. You see, we read these passages uh, in verse in verse 1, the end of verse 1. Do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I don't mean to read over that and gloss over that quickly, but I'm making a point here. Beautiful verse 1. Do not be afraid of them. This is the, 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 the horses and the chariots and the people more numerous than you. Don't be afraid of them. The Lord is with you. You see in verse 4, the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Beautiful, beautiful passages. But, 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 if the formula is wrong in an individual, such individual stays home. You are a liability in the fight. You might be strong. You might have skill. But because of your alignment to the word, whether it be through because you're a baby, whether it be because you're mature and disobedient, which leads to other things that's called disobedience. It could be you're a new believer and you just don't know. That's still a liability on the battlefield. It's beautiful to be a baby. But remember, babies got to grow. We got to mature. And if you're a new believer, I mean, you say you came to Christ today. You're a new believer. Listen to our study through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. It will help you mature in Christ. But because people are in a state of babyhood, they're in a state of being childish. They they do not move on to perfection. Now they are a liability on the battlefield. Old Testament, stay home. New Testament, stay home. The fight is not for you. Warriors rise. Warriors stand. A lot of Christians get mad when they hear me say this. Oh, I need counsel. Can you help me? Sure, what's up? 
Oh, well, I got this situation. Look, I got this, and I got a little bit of that, and I got a little bit of this. What do I do? Well, okay. You say you got a little bit of this. You say you got a little bit of that. You say you got a little bit of this. Okay, valid, valid problems, valid issues. But, my friend, my beautiful friend, my beautiful brother, my beautiful sister, you know what you also got a, a little bit of? What's that? What's that? Tell me. I need solutions. What do I do? I got this. I got that. I got this. What do I do? You also have a little bit of carnality. A little bit of sex. A little bit of drugs. A little bit of alcohol. A little bit of Buddha. A little bit of Mary. A little bit of the Ouija boards. A little bit of your little white lies. A little bit of your sex. A little bit of this. A little bit of that. But what do I do? Come on, you're, you're supposed to tell me. What do I do? What do I do? I'll give you the answer. Present your body a living sacrifice to Jesus Christ. Period. That's it. Whoa, 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 whoa. I came to you with my problem. And you're supposed to tell me what, to, what, what, what I'm supposed to do. You're supposed to. Look, the Bible says you got to help me. Okay, I'll help you. I'll help you. Close your eyes. Fine, I'll close my eyes. What do you see? What do you see? I can't see. My eyes are closed. Precisely. Bingo. You can't see. Your eyes are closed. Now let's look at your problems. What you came to me was with, you know, this guy, this lady, this, this situation, this, this, this. But since your eyes are closed, you can't see that. But what can we see? What is it that you know about that needs to be addressed? The carnal nature. The carnal nature. I'll say it again. The carnal nature. Nature, it's the flesh. And when you present your body a living sacrifice to Jesus Christ, the real Jesus, he cleans house. He addresses the flesh and the carnal nature. Can I open my eyes now? I get it. Can I open my eyes now? No. Keep your eyes closed. But if I keep my eyes closed, I can't see these problems precisely. But I needed help with this problem and this problem and that problem. I needed help with these three things. You got your eyes closed? Yeah, I do. Okay. You can't see them. You can't see them. Let's work on you first. Let's do you first. A week passes. How you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? You still got your eyes closed? Well, no, because if I really had my eyes closed, you know, I couldn't drive. I'd get in a crash. I, you, you, I'm speaking spiritually, brother. I'm speaking spiritually, sister. You still got your eyes closed? Okay, yeah. I got my eyes closed. Okay, beautiful. Still can't see those problems, can you? No, I can't see those problems. Couple weeks pass. Hey, hey, brother. Hey, sister. How you doing? You still got your eyes closed? 
Yeah, I still got my eyes closed. I get what you're talking about. You say you're talking according to the Spirit. And yeah, I got my eyes closed. Okay, beautiful. What's up with Mary? Mary who? I'm doing like you said. I'm presenting my body living sacrifice. That means I can't worship Mary anymore. I can't pray to Mary anymore. Okay, praise be to the Lord. Okay, keep it up. What's up with Buddha? I, I can't do that. I got my eyes closed. And I can't do that. I'm presenting my body living sacrifice. Okay, praise be to the Lord. Little white lies? Nope, can't do that either. I'm presenting my body living sacrifice to the Lord. Just as you, just as you said, just as you advised, just as you counseled. Okay. A couple weeks pass. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. You still got your eyes closed? Yeah. I get what you mean, my friend. Can I tell you something? I'm sorry I came at you like that. I was carnal. I shouldn't have come at you like that. Can you forgive me? Absolutely, brother. Absolutely, sister. It's no big deal. You were kicking a dead guy. No big deal. Just a corpse. You still got your eyes closed? Yeah, I still got my eyes closed. How is your intimacy with the Lord? You, you like it? Oh, man, I love it. I used to hear you talk about like, you know, it's almost like you look forward to dying. And I used to hear you say that. And I'm like, what in the world? But now you know what? Can I tell you something? Sure, brother. Sure, sister. I kind of look forward to dying too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Praise be to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to do something now. What is that? You still got your eyes closed? Yeah, I do. I got my eyes closed. Okay? Open them. What do you see? Those three problems. What do you see? They're gone. They're gone. No longer an issue. Wow. Do you know why that is? It's because when you came to me, you weren't cheek to cheek with Jesus Christ. I knew it. You didn't know it. But I knew it. You could come at me with all a million problems, but I look for cheek-to-cheekness. You weren't cheek-to-cheek, and I knew that we got to get you cheek-to-cheek. It's not like a prideful thing, but I knew this. Not, not a prideful thing at all. But the Bible is clearing crystal clear. Crystal clear. Cheek to cheek, that's what we that's what we look for. We have to have it, and that's what we look for. Now that you're cheek to cheek with Jesus, you open your eyes. And now, instead of wanting to know what to do with situation A, B, C, person A, B, C, one, two, three, they were problems before. Now your eyes are open, except you have spiritual eyes. Now, the Lord, your proximity with the Lord is cheek to cheek. And now, who who gives you a new heart, a new mind, now you have compassion for those people. Oh, man, look, that guy wanted to kill me. 
And it breaks my heart that is that the condition of his heart is in that state. The condition of her heart is in that state. Look, this guy wanted to, he threatened me to put a bullet in my face. You know, he threatened me and I have compassion on him. And you know what? I was kind of a jerk to him and he had every right to do it. And so I'm just going to apologize to him. I'm going to do it by text message first because I don't want him to shoot me. You see, your whole perspective changes. Why? Because you're cheek to cheek. This is the way. Proximity to Jesus Christ, the real Jesus. And these officers, they go in. You know, who is it that's a liability? Is is there anybody in verse 5? What is there who... What man is there who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Who is he? A couple guys raise their hand. Okay, go home. Go home. Because for you, being a liability, because look, what the Lord says, don't be afraid of, in verse 1, do, do not be afraid of them for the Lord your God is with you. In verse 4, the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And we want victory. We want to rely on these promises of the Lord. And we know that if the formula is wrong, we cannot rely on these things. Therefore, who is there among you who has a new house and has not dedicated it? Stay home. Go back home. Leave the battlefield here. We got the formations. Just, you know, step to the side, sidestep, sidestep. Now you're free from the, from the ranks. Now go home. Go home. You know, is it? You know, we'll, we'll deal with you later. But you know, as for this battle, go home, because this might be you might be a liability because you're a baby. You don't have this understanding, or you might be a li- liability because you're you you're a baby, but you've stayed a baby after three years, after six years, after ten years, after twenty years, and because you're a baby, you're a liability on the battlefield. Stay home. Go home. Because of your liability on the battlefield where the formula is not right in you, because of that, if we go to war in that situation, we cannot have these promises effectuated. Which is verse 1, do not be afraid of them for the Lord your God is with you. In verse 4, the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And because of your situation, which doesn't align with the word of God, which doesn't align with the formula, the holy formula, now you are not an asset on the battlefield. You are not an asset of the in the warrior class. You are not an asset to this group. You are a liability. You will bring harm upon us. So, go home. Go home. You see? How could this, in in verse 5, let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. Now, you see this part, this is the, the, the solution, go home. But the reason, lest he die in the battle, how could this, how could his death, how can this be when God promises victory? God promises, don't be afraid of them. The Lord your God is with you. God promised, that's verse 1. Verse 4, God promises, 
I'm with you. I'm going to fight for you against your enemies to save you. God promises that. But how can it be that God's promises are nullified? That that very question is it 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 it's a weird question. It's a weird question. How can God's promises be nullified? It's like, wait a second, God's promises are a sure thing. Absolutely. God's promises are a sure thing. But when we read these passages about warfare, straight up battle, I mean, it's in verse 2, on the verge of battle. Same day, on the verge of battle. Same day, verse 3, today you were on the verge of battle. And God says, don't be afraid. He's the, I'm with you. Look, do not be afraid. The Lord is with you. And how could that promise be nullified? Which is a weird question. I mean, if it's really weird, that's like a little barometer of carnality. But if it's not weird at all, that's a good sign. Because it can be nullified through disobedience. The guy who goes and builds a new house and it hasn't been dedicated, okay, your liability. Look, the formula's not right in you. So because the formula's not right in you, go home. The formula is wrong. And that's how God's promises can be nullified when the formula is wrong. Now you see, Satan kind of has an easy job. Satan has an easy job. Why? All he has to do is make the formula wrong. Oh, yeah, you, you want to you wanna be a Christian? No big deal. Go to these grave soakers. They'll, t- they'll teach you real nice. You want to be a Christian? Okay, no big deal. Go over here, take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. He'll teach you real nice. You see? Satan's got it pretty easy. But for the remnant... If you go to this church, you're going to be dead. You're going to be beaten. Look, we beat up these pastors. There are churches today where, you know, they put pastors' heads on stakes at the entrance of the, where they meet and fellowship. And so congregants come in, members of the church, they come in for church and they see their pastor's head on a stake. Think about that message that sends. That's a beautiful remnant. Satan has to kill those people because they're a threat to him. He has to beat on those people. Why? Because they're a threat to him. You see? But the fellowships that frolic, you know, they frolic and they leap and they gallop over here. No threat to Satan. Why? They go grave soaking. They go grave soaking. Look, they want to read the Bible. No big deal. Look, they go grave soaking. Abomination before the Lord. Look, they, they, they want to read the Bible. No big deal. You know, they're going to take the mark of the beast. No threat. They're advised by their pastors to take the mark of the beast. They'll still be saved. No big deal. No threat to Satan. They want to think they're okay. No big deal. You see? 
the formula must be right. Remember our study in Numbers 31? Listen to our study in Numbers 31 if you haven't heard it. Because what happens in Numbers 31 is straight up warfare. And when you look at the numbers, you know, remember the census that was taken in Israel? 600,000 plus, over 600,000 people. And remember, these are, when the census was taken, able to go to war, remember? The first census, all men. Second census, had women. Second census, had women. You know, a lot of times men get on a high horse. Oh, women, we're going to go to war. You stay home. No. Remember, in Christ, there's no male, female. Women warriors. Second census. In our study in Numbers 31, over 600,000 numbered in the camp of Israel. You know who goes to war? 12,000. Look at that ratio. 12,000. Out of 600,000, 12,000 go to war. In the majority. In the majority. I'll say it again. In the majority. The formula was wrong. But in the minority, the formula was right. And these are people who were able to go to war. You see? In verse 6, also, remember, this is the officers. The officers, the overseers and as new covenant believers we have overseers today they're called pastors and elders always male always male in verse 6 also what man is there who has planted a vineyard and has not eaten of it you see an old testament example of no growth no maturity what does paul says in the pastoral epistles do not choose a novice a new believer New believers are beautiful, but they need to grow. They need to mature. You see? New believers, baby Christians, I love you. If you're a new believer, if you're a baby Christian, I love you. But when it comes to spiritual warfare, stay home. Stay home. You are, you are a liability on the battlefield. Now, if you're a new believer... It's, it's beautiful because you need to grow. You need to mature to, to learn how to fight. But if you're a baby Christian because you haven't moved on to perfection, if you're a baby Christian, you've been a Christian for five years, ten years, and you're still on milk, well, we have the Corinthian example. Paul says that's not good. You need to repent and you need to grow. It's like preschool all over again. And then you matriculate. And then when you grow, when you mature, now you're able, you know, join the ranks of the warrior. You see? The formula must be right. If you go to war and the formula is wrong, you're dead. You go to war and the formula is wrong, you're going to lose. POW, KIA, MIA, gone. Liability on the battlefield. And that's what's so powerful about these passages because absolutely, the Lord says, don't be afraid of them. <clears throat> and he's speaking through Moses, a, a vessel who's cheek to cheek with him. And he, don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. 
the Lord is going to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Absolutely, don't be afraid. The, these mighty armies, nothing, pipsqueaks. Don't be afraid. The formula's wrong. Anybody who's built a new house and is not dedicated, stay home. Formula's wrong with you. You're a liability. You're going to die. And if you die, you know, people around you, they might be dead because you're going to influence them. They might be dead too. In verse 6, what man is there who has planted a vineyard and has not eaten it? You know, there's no maturity. Old Testament example of no maturity. This is the solution for such a man. Let him go and return to his house. You see, go home. Go home. Lest he die in the battle and another man eat of it. And these overseers go further. In verse 7, And what man is there who has who is betrothed to a woman and has not married her? All these going, is the formula right? Is the formula right? Is the formula? If there's this situation and such a man is here who has not done this, who has not done this, who has not done that, go home. Leave us. These, this, this fight is for the warriors. This fight is for the hardcore. And I don't say that in a, in a prideful sense, but when I say hardcore, I mean this fight is for those who are cheek to cheek with Jesus Christ. Cheek to cheek with the Lord. And now that everybody is cheek to cheek with the Lord, now this mighty, mighty army that is in opposition to us, little pipsqueaks, you see? Verse 7, what man is there who is betrothed to a woman and has not married her? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man marry her. You see, this is so powerful. The formula must be right. I mean, okay. The Lord's, the Lord using his vessel, Moses. Don't be afraid. God is with you. And yet these overseers are saying, listen, if this is the situation for you, you know, let, let that can't be the case lest you die. In order for these overseers, these officers to even utter such a thing, they know that the formula must be right. These overseers, an Old Testament example of pastors and elders, they know that the formula must be right among the warrior class. They need to be hardcore. And when I say hardcore, that means straight up cheek to cheek. Straight up cheek to cheek. That's how it has to be. Now we see this in verse 8. The officers shall speak further to the people and say, What man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? You see? It's like, wait a second, okay, the formula is wrong in this regard. With the field, the formula is wrong. With the wife, the formula is wrong. With the home, the formula is wrong. Okay, stay home. But now it's a little bit, that's like a physical situation. That's like, you know, like a literal, like, you know, field, wife, uh, home. That's outward. But now we look inward. And the overseers. Who is there among us? What man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Question mark. You know what the answer is when you look inward? Stay home. Let him go and return to his house. Lest 
the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. You see? Now, all of a sudden, this fear of such individual becomes an influencer. And it, these other people around said person, they become afraid. Now, carnally speaking, do you know how crazy this battle strategy is? This is carnally speaking. No offense to the Lord. No, no disrespect to the Lord. Carnally speaking, this is the craziest battle strategy. Say it's you and me and we total a hundred people. And among us, there's a priest, there's the officer, and the officer is saying, you know, we, we can see it. It's on the day of battle. And we see a hundred thousand of these enemy forces coming against us. And then the officers go around and they start to shout. Who is it that has this situation with this wife? Who has a situation with this home? Who has a situation with this field? Who is afraid in his heart? Who is it? Raise your hand. Because we're a people of integrity. 30 guys raise their hand. He says, okay, you with your hands up, step aside, leave the ranks, gather over here. They all gather. So now you have two groups of people. Instead of 100, you have 70 now. And then you have 30 in this other group. And the overseers, the officers, they say to the 30, okay, all you guys who have the situation with your home, your wife, and your field, and, you know, afraid, now you guys go home. Go home. Take your armor with you. Take your weapons with you. Go home. Now, do you know how crazy that is? From a carnal, from a strategic standpoint in the carnal sense, we're a hundred guys and we're going to face an army of a hundred thousand people. We're, we are absolutely outnumbered. Carnally speaking, it's, it's instead of adding to the hundred, our number of a hundred. Instead of going to, you know, our, our allies and saying, we're only 100, you know, can you spare 50 guys? Can you spare 200 guys? Can you, we, we make all these partnerships and allies with all these other peoples and all these other cultures and nations. And we say, look, we're just 100. And so, carnally speaking, strategically speaking, the world's wisdom would say, okay, increase your numbers. Increase your numbers so instead of 100, you can go to war with at least 10,000 because you're facing 100,000. And you know, if, 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 if you're, if you're good at negotiations, if you're good at this, you can even get a hundred thousand. So now it's a fair fight. A hundred thousand versus a hundred thousand. A nice fair fight. But that's carnal. That's of the flesh. That's the world's wisdom. Instead of doing that, we want a fair fight. We want a hundred thousand to a hundred thousand. Instead of that, these officers are reducing the numbers. It's just the opposite. There is no carnal strategic development when it comes to holy things. These are holy matters. Carnally speaking, we're outnumbered. Instead of 100, we're just 70 people. And what if there were more who raised their hands? What if there were more? Yeah, I got... 
uh, uh, problems with, with, you know, the field, the home, the wife. I got problems in my home and all these things. Who's afraid? I'm afraid. Okay, so now say we're just 20 people. 80 people went home. Say we're just 20 versus 100,000. What if we're just two? Everybody's gone home. Everybody is. The formula is not right. What if we're just two? Two versus 100,000? Do you know how stupid that is, carnally speaking? Do you know how stupid that is, carnally speaking? Do you know how that... That is not even any type of strategic development. It is just straight up dumb. Carnally speaking. There's no wisdom of the world. There's no wisdom of the world in any way, shape, or form. It is just dumb. Two people are going to go against 100,000? But spiritually speaking, where is the Lord? Where is the Almighty? These two are cheek to cheek with him. Now what are the odds? That hundred thousand little pipsqueaks. Little nothing. You see? Now when you understand this aspect of spiritual warfare, you're going to understand. You get into passages like in Isaiah. When, you know, uh, 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 <clears throat> Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. You know, he's, he looks at the might of the Assyrian army. The prophet comes to him. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Hezekiah. Go to sleep. What? What kind of strategic is it? Where's the strategic aspect of that? Go to sleep. Yes, thus saith the Lord, go to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep. And what's so powerful about that is Hezekiah knowing that this prophet of the Lord, Isaiah, is cheek to cheek with the Lord. You see? I wonder what his counsel, his, you know, his, uh, his war table is. All those people in the, all the arsenal of his war chest. I wonder what that looked like when, you know, Hezekiah, who's also cheek to cheek with the Lord, needs counsel. The prophet comes, thus saith the Lord, go to sleep. And for Hezekiah, not to heed the counsel of worldly wisdom, but says, okay, this guy's cheek to cheek with the Lord. This is the prophet. So, okay, I'm going to. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to go to sleep. These guys say it's crazy, but you know. Everything's on point, cheek to cheek. Hezekiah wakes up in the morning. Looks out and what does he see? All the armies that he was worried about, dead. One angel killed them all. You see? One angel killed them all. That's spiritual warfare. Go to sleep. <laughs> I mean, go to sleep was said to Hezekiah, but that's what one angel could do. You see? That's the might of the Almighty. 
So these numbers were just a hundred people against a hundred thousand. Okay, now the, the the overseers are like, you know, who who is it that has this situation? If you're afraid, raise your hand. If you got these problems at home, your field, and you got these problems, raise your hand. Okay, step aside. Okay, you gather over here. Now go home. And you and me were just like, what is he doing? What is he doing? We're you know, we're outnumbered. At least we can have as much as we can. And now instead of a hundred, we're eighty. Now instead of 80, we're 50. Now instead of 50, we're 10. Now instead of 10, we're 2. But we're cheek to cheek. What is the might of the opposition? What is the might of the adversary? What is the might? Yeah, carnally speaking, these guys got the big... Huge thighs. Their thighs are the size of boulders. Their necks are like redwood trees. Their arms, they can lift a hundred pound sword. One swing of, they can cut down, with one swing, they can chop down trees. These guys are like huge. They got the chariots, they got the horses, they got, These guys are a force to be reckoned with. They are powerful. But when you're cheek to cheek with the Lord, an ant is more powerful than this opposition. When you're cheek to cheek with the Lord, a little fruit fly has more power than said opposition. A little fruit fly has more power than the forces of Antichrist, the beast from the earth and the beast from the sea. A little fruit fly has more power than that of the Antichrist and the false prophet and Satan. They're nothing. Carnally speaking, they're something. They will do damage. They will prevail against the saints. Spiritually speaking, A gnat has more power. You see? That's spiritual warfare. And so we continue. In verse 9, And so it shall be when the officers have finished speaking to the people that they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. You see, who is it that is closest to the Lord? They shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. This isn't a union mentality. We just, it just so happens we study this on Sunday. This isn't a union mentality. Oh, I have seniority. Look, I've been here with this group of people for 50 years and you've only been here for two years. Step aside, little one. Step aside. No, 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 no. Who is it that has the closest proximity to the Lord? Who is it that is cheek to cheek with the Lord? That's who I want to go to war with. And not against, with. I want to link shields with the ones who are cheek to cheek with the Lord. I don't want to go and enter the battlefield with those who are a liability. I want to go to war with people who are an asset to the battlefield. For the advancement of the kingdom of God. For the advancement of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The real Jesus Christ. The kingdom according to scripture. You see, not the, you know, the uh, 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 kingdom now theology, 
which is very carnal. I'm talking about the kingdom of God in accordance to Holy Scripture. These are the ones I want to go to war. These are, the, are those strong men. Well, let me tell you something. The majority, strong women. Men, I love you, men. But we got to grow. We got we to mature. You see? The majority of the warrior class that I see in these last days, the large majority, female. But in Christ, there's no male or female. This isn't to say like, you know, hey, man, you know, stay home. In some cases, men stay home. It's to say, hey, men, grow up. Grow up. Mature. Your proximity to Jesus Christ must be cheek to cheek. If it's not, stay home. And if you don't stay home, you're going to lose in the fight. You're going to lose the battle. You are a liability. You're not an asset. You are a liability. Stay home. Have you ever been in an environment where you are a front echelon to war? A very front echelon on a battlefield. Now, when you're in that type of environment and unit and you are a non-commissioned officer in that type of unit that type of environment you are a non-commissioned officer you work very closely with you know the juniors uh, junior class and you work very closely with the uh, 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 the leadership class such as platoon commanders very closely because you're kind of like a go-between the commander would ask you a question you know, are we prepared for war? Are we prepared to go into combat? Are we prepared? Here's the intelligence report. This is what the battlefield looks like. And are we prepared? Have you done your job, non-commissioned officer? Have you done your job to train up these people so that they are prepared for XYZ environment? You know, this intelligence report, we're, we're going we're gonna to go over here. We're going to be in this environment. This is what the terrain looks like. And we have to engage the enemy, a fortified enemy, in this position. Are your men prepared to, number one, get there? Are they physically fit enough to even carry the weight to even get there? To where getting there is dangerous? To where if you fall, if you know, you're going to tumble down a cliff and you're going to be dead. And you are a liability because we need you alive for the fight. You cannot be dead. You know, dead people don't fight. And the commanding officer, okay, non-commissioned officer, this intelligence report, we're going to go over here and we're, we're done here. We're going to go over here and we're done here. We're going to go over here. Are your men ready for environment number one? And in this environment number one, enemy number one, are your men prepared? Of course, with contingencies too. And after number one, we're going to go to number two. And are your men prepared to get to area, the theater number two, to engage enemy number two? Are your men prepared for this? And then after number two, we got number three. 
Now it's, you know, a completely different environment. Now instead of being, you know, mountainous terrain, now it's swamp terrain. And, you know, it's uh, 50 miles in between each position. No vehicles, no, uh, no, uh, you know, helo insertions. No, we're humping it. And just so you know, humping is, you know, I'm a little old school, but humping is a hike. Not like a slow pace hike, fast. We got to get there quickly. We got, you know, uh, mission one, mission two, mission three. It's all part of one mission, but different theater. Number one, two, three. This is intelligence report. Say this. This is what the fortified enemy looks like in number one, number two, number three. Different environments. One's mountainous. First one's mountainous. Second one, not so mountainous, little hilly. Third one, straight up swamp. And we're humping it the whole way. Commanding officer to the non-commissioned officer. Are the men ready? Yes, sir. We're ready. Yes, sir. Absolutely, sir. Now, when the whole thing is said and done, you know, extract has been made, everything, everything is completely done. Commanding officer goes to non-commissioned officer. Casualty report. And you report casualties. Wounded. WIA. KIA. Casualty report. Zero, sir. Mission accomplished. Zero, sir. The men prepare. And that preparation, you know, it's it's not just like, you know, hey, you know, we're going to have this campaign uh, in, 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 in six months. So you have six months to train up and be ready for this campaign. No. The time of training has already happened. We PT'd our brains out, which is a physical training. We, we PT'd our brains out. We humped this. We trained this. We did fields of fire. We did all these things. Commanding officer says, look, intelligence says this. We got to do this tonight. We got to do this in within the hour. Are the men ready? Yes, sir. The men are ready. We've trained for this. We've prepared for this. The men are ready. You see? That's a state of readiness to do, to enter areas which are extremely violent and dangerous. The men are ready. This is a carnal aspect. Spiritually speaking, it's the exact same thing. The training up for you and me as Christians, the training up is now. Being equipped from the word of God by the spirit of the Lord. It's now. You see? And the Lord, hey, I'm going to send you over here. I'm going to send you over here. Okay, Lord, we're ready. Who's with you? 30 20, 
10? What if your answer to the Lord is, it's just me, Lord. Will you be ready? This state of readiness, it is holy unto the Lord. It is pleasing unto the Lord to live life sacrificially unto Him. Ananias is such a person. The state of readiness. Praying to the Lord. And the Lord responds to his prayer. He had a little conversation. Ananias, I want you to take this guy Saul into your home. <laughs> and Ananias, I mean, look at that beautiful interaction. It's so beautiful because it's like you see the intimacy that Ananias and the Lord cheek to cheek. Okay, Lord, but just to make sure like this is the guy Saul. This is what he's doing. The Lord gives him the reassurance and the comfort. Okay, but he's my vessel, Ananias. And I'm going to use him to... He gave Ananias the blueprints before Paul even knew that... Before Paul even knew what was happening. Paul was still blind. Saul at the time. And the Lord revealed the blueprints of Paul's life. And how the Lord was going to use him as his vessel. He revealed it to Ananias. Ananias in a state of readiness. For that specific mission. To take this persecutor of Christians, this killer of Christians, into his home and pray for him. You see? Okay, Lord. But this example I gave, before going on deployment, a commanding officer. Now, when, when a unit goes on deployment... These units go on deployment to around the world. They go to certain areas which are hot zones and they go on deployment. But in order to deploy, a commanding officer would ask a non-commissioned officer, are the men ready? Yes, sir. But we have a problem, child. Commanding officer, tell me about it. Okay, there's this guy, and you know, here's this is the report, the write ups that I have on him. This is the reports and all these things. The commanding officer asks a question of his commanding, of his non commissioned officer Is he worthy of deployment? No, sir, he is not. Now, the commanding officer who trusts his non commissioned officer. Says, okay. And that's a close relationship. The commanding officer says, okay. We'll process the paperwork. This guy who's a liability to the team, this guy who is a liability to the unit, this guy who is not an asset on the battlefield because of him and the choices he made in training. Now when it comes time for combat, in very dangerous environments, as, re- as a result of his disobedience, he is not an asset to the team. He is a liability, and therefore he is off the team, discharged, dishonorable discharge, or moved to another unit that doesn't deploy. Most of the time, discharge, dishonorable discharge. Why? Liability. You're not an asset. Therefore, go home. Go home. You see? 
Those that go on deployment, those are assets. And I speak carnally in explaining this. I mean, this carnal example. But this carnal example of warfare is almost identical to that when it comes to spiritual warfare, the state of readiness. But it's spiritual, like Ananias. Daily, sacrificially living unto the Lord. Not just on Sundays. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go to church on Sundays, but then on Monday night, I'm going to the strip club. And Tuesday night, I'm going to do my crack. Wednesday night, we got a little midweek Bible study. This, I'll do that too. But then Thursday night, you know, I'm going to go to the occult clubs. And go hang out with my friends, you know. We're going to go do the occult. No. That's a liability. It doesn't work that way. That's not the right formula. Stay home. If that's you, stay home and repent. Repent. You come to Christ. You recommit your life to Jesus Christ. You're a baby. And as a baby, you're still a liability. But as you mature, now you learn. Now you're equipped. You see? A state of readiness. It's so powerful. All these influencers... Scaredy cats, stay home. See? Remember the men? When Jesus Christ was, 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 uh, uh, his body was entombed, and you know, the, the men were scaredy cats, they stayed home. They were afraid because, you know, the cost of being a Christian at that time, look what they did to Jesus. The men were like, whoa, we, we don't want to die like that. Peter denied Jesus Christ three times. He was adamant about it with expletives. Where were the women? These beautiful, beautiful, beautiful warrior women. The men stayed home. And these beautiful, most... Oh, I have no words for their beauty. No words for their beauty. But such beauty that says, <clears throat> Okay, Romans, you want to hang me too like you did to Jesus Christ? I don't care. The men, they cared. Oh, we don't want to hang like Jesus. We don't want to be hung. We don't want to be whipped and beaten like him. I don't want I don't want him to put a crown on them to put a crown on my head and mock me, and I don't want to carry that cross. The, I saw them laughing and they stabbed them on the side, and I saw that. I don't want that to happen to me. I'm gonna stay home. But these Beautiful, beautiful, exquisitely beautiful women, spiritually speaking. I don't know what they look like. But let me tell you something. I don't care what they look like. Because you look deeper than the human eye can see. And you see the most exquisite beauty. These beautiful warrior women. Going to prepare. They, they prepared even beforehand. Jesus Christ was... Everything was fresh. I mean, three days later, it's still fresh. But I mean, you, you, the, the day of his death, it was, thing was, it was still fresh. But then you have the Sabbath. So all these, the ointments and the fragrances was prepared prior to the Sabbath. Because no work on the Sabbath. Everything was... The preparations, they, they knew beforehand what they were... They knew beforehand the mission before them. 
Romans, you want to kill me? You want to crucify me like you did to Jesus Christ? So be it. I'm going to honor the Lord. That was not said of the men. That was said of the women. To my beautiful sisters in Christ, be like that. (laughs) Don't be like those scaredy cats. Be like those women. You see? Beautiful. You want to hang me? You want to mock me and and, and put a crown on my head? You want to make me carry a cross? You want to beat me? You want to stab me in the side? Like I saw you do with Jesus? You want to do that? Eh? Go for it. But as for me, I'm going to honor the Lord. (sighs) I like tough. I don't even know. I like tough. That is straight up tough. That is... I have no words. But I want to go to war with people like that. I want I want a lady like that at my side. I want a guy like that at my side. For what? To engage. To fight. To go to war. Spiritually speaking. Everything spiritually speaking. Not carnally like war, like killing. And when I say to go to war, it's to go fishing. That's it. Let's go fishing. You see? And so we see this. These uh, in, in verse 9. And so it shall be when the officers have finished speaking to the people that they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. No union mentality. No. Who is it who's cheek to cheek with the Lord? Paul. Think about Paul. With all these. The, the sea of saints. But yet, look at his exhortation to Timothy and Titus. Little Timmy. Let no one despise your youth, little Timmy. Yeah, these other guys, they've been Christians for, you know, ever since Jesus Christ came on the scene, they've been Christians. They believe in Jesus Christ. And you're you're just a kid. But you know what? You're cheek to cheek with Jesus Christ. And not just cheek to cheek, you're like all masked. You know when you mash your cheeks and your face gets all deformed? You're not even cheek to cheek with Jesus Christ. Timmy, little Timmy, little beautiful Timmy, you're so mashed to Jesus Christ. Your face is all scrunched up because that's that's how mashed you are to Jesus Christ. Cheek to cheek. Little Timmy, let no one despise your youth, Pastor Timothy. You see? I know these other guys who believed in Jesus from the beginning, but they're not cheek to cheek. You're cheek to cheek, and now you're pastor. It's not seniority in terms of like a union mentality. And so we get into verse 10. When you go near a city to fight against it, then proclaim. When you go near a city to fight against it, then proclaim an offer of peace to it. You see, it's always this offer of love first, always grace and mercy. Remember, anytime you see judgment coming to a people, a land, a territory, a region, a person, you always see this opportunity for love, grace, and mercy, and for people to respond to that. Old Testament, New Testament, you always see that. I mean, God's judgment is coming. God's wrath comes to individuals. Listen to our study through Romans 1. But God's wrath is coming across the globe. 
precursory to that moment, the day of the Lord, precursory to that, we have today. And the door is open. You see? God's grace, love, and His mercy. You, my friend, if you haven't entered the door, do so right now and enter the door, capital D, come to Jesus Christ and believe Him and receive Him as Lord and Savior. And that is the means by which you can enter the promised land, which is paradise. Not born into Adam, the first generation of the flesh. Born into Christ, the second generation of the Spirit. You see? In verse 11, And it shall be that if they accept your offer of peace and open to you, then all the people who are found in it shall be placed under tribute to you and serve you. So now they're placed under like servanthood status. And people say, oh, I don't like that. What are you talking about servanthood status? Well, it's better than death. It's better than death. And, you know, don't forget that in the law, do you remember our studies in Leviticus when we touched on subject matter about slaves and servanthood? Every now and then you would hear us say that being a servant when the formula was right in a home that honored the Lord or in a tent that honored the Lord, servanthood isn't really a bad thing at all. Servanthood isn't really a bad thing at all. Because the law teaches on how slaves and servants need to be treated and always opportunity for freedom in the course of time, provisions in the law. You say, I don't like that concept. What are you talking about servanthood status? That's so mean. Let me tell you something. It still happens today. It still happens today. If I continued... If I continued in the ways of my flesh, today I would be dead or in prison. I would be dead or in prison. The Lord placed me in servanthood status. And here we are. Here we are. It's not such a bad thing at all. See? Servanthood status in some cases are ugly. But it depends on the master. You see? It depends on the master, capital M. When the master is Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. In verse 12, now if the city will not, now this is if the city makes peace. In verse 11, if the city makes the, if they accept your offer of peace, remember? Opportunity for grace, mercy, and love, opportunity to respond to God's goodness. Now, if the response isn't good, in, in, verse, in verse 12, now if the city will not make peace with you, but makes war against you, then you shall besiege it. Green light. Green light. Proceed, move forward. Remember, this is a special group of the warrior class. The formula is right. All others are at home. 
all warriors of God must have the right formula in their heart, in their mind, deep down to the marrow. And where you see the formula wrong in a king, in a priest, in a people, in a person, you always see shortly thereafter ruin and destruction, Old Testament and New Testament. And even today, when the formula is wrong in a Christian, somebody who's been on fire 10 years ago, wow, this person's on fire for the Lord. Wow, they were so awesome and the Lord did this. And wow, I just rejoiced even more because of all this mighty work that the Lord done. But the same could be said of Balaam. Remember Balaam? He had intimacy with the Lord. He was cheek to cheek with the Lord. The Lord was revealing things to him. The Lord was using him. The Lord, everything was fine. But Balaam, formerly formerly cheek to cheek. And that gap, instead of being cheek to cheek, it became, you know, distanced. A huge gap between Balaam and the Lord. And the gap was so large that all of a sudden Balaam switched camps. He was in the camp of Balak, a type of Satan. Balaam is an Old Testament example of a short-term believer, the type that Jesus Christ tells us about. A short-term believer. Oh, but this person, they were so mighty in the Lord. I'm not denying that. People who are on like everything, the formula is right. But Satan is crafty and very patient. And you see that in Christians, Christian homes, Christian hearts, people who are on fire for the Lord. And through his slow seduction, sometimes it's immediate, sometimes it's nice and slow. And then all of a sudden, like Balaam, Somebody is no longer cheek to cheek with the Lord. And then all of a sudden, they're on the side of Balak. And this is what we're going to see happen. And it is happening at an exponential rate in the last days as the church becomes apostate. It's already happening. Oh, but this person was so on fire for the Lord. Absolutely. Key word is was. You see? Past tense, was, no longer is. Why? Because they entered the camp of Balak. How does that happen? It happens in a number of different ways. But where are the pastors to teach? To teach, to equip, to train. Be aware of these guys. Be aware of these things. These are the dangers. This is our journey. These are the dangers of what can what is coming against us. This is what can happen. This is what has happened with this guy. This is what has happened with this guy. And this is what can happen to us, to you, and to me if we're not on point with the Lord. How does it happen? Through humility. We're, remember, it's the, the meek shall inherit the earth. It's humility. It's not a prideful sense like, oh, we're of the elect. You know, arrogance, oh, we're of the elect, and you're predestined to hell, and we're predestined for heaven, so we're good, and you're bad, so, you know, God is sovereign. Nope, that's the wrong doctrine. Wrong doctrines always use a wrong formula, and wrong doctrines also always beget 
and lead to a wrong formula. And where the formula is wrong, these are people who will lose battles. Losers. We have to be victorious in Christ. If you're in a camp where the formula is wrong, jump ship. Your loyalty is not to a church. Your loyalty is not to a pastor, to an elder. Your loyalty is to Jesus Christ, son of the most high. Your loyalty is to him. You don't have to be cheek to cheek with anybody else. Not with Mary, not with Buddha, not with the, you know, whatever. Cheek to cheek with Jesus Christ, son of the most high. And you link shields with other people so like-minded or in a soul that is like-minded. And this is the warrior class. Warriors, fighters, male, female. Predominantly female. (laughs) Not to say men can't. But men have a whole host of issues. And Satan knows this. Satan goes for the men because he knows... This is, the, this is the leader of the home. I'm going to attack this guy. I attack him and everything else is destroyed. Look at homes. Satan just has to go after one. You see? The husband, the father. He gets one. He get, he, I mean, he can get the whole family through one and through false doctrine. You know, the husband wants to do the strippers and the crack and all these things. The wife submit to me. Look, the Bible says the wife has to submit to husband. So wife submits to foolishness, forgetting, not seeing, not having eyes to see the better husband in accordance to the better marriage because her pastor never told her. So she said, oh, I'm going to do what the Bible says. And the pastor says, I got to submit to my husband. So I'm going to go submit to my husband. The whole time Satan has got the husband. Lured him through sex, lured him through his vessel, which was, you know, the strippers, the whatever, sexual desires. So Satan's got the husband. Now he gets a twofer with the wife. The wife is submitting to the husband's foolishness. Now the kids, I got to obey my parents and mom and dad are in crazy town and the kids follow. You see, now Satan gets a a threefer, fourfer, fiveer, sixfer package deal. All through one, the husband. But when a pastor teaches the family, wife goes, husband goes off into crazy town, wife holds on to him for dear life. It could be that in so doing, she saves his soul, but he has to make a choice. But she's under the better husband in obedience to him. She holds on to husband for dear life. She takes the kids and holds on to them for dear life. You see? And her body becomes a cross. Underneath Jesus Christ, the greatest covering any soul could ever have. Husband's crazy? Okay. The better husband? He's beautiful. You see how doctrine, how Satan uses false doctrine to destroy a family? Now, he does that with a pastor. He can destroy a church, a fellowship. And sometimes he'll just let it linger so that he, a church can be powerless he'll let it linger i mean ultimately he's going to destroy them that's what he wants to do but he does that little trick with the pastor the the male the husband he he makes that marriage just 
turn into garbage. Husband wants to do his drugs. Husband wants to do the strippers. Husband wants to do the gambling. Husband wants to do this. Oh, but he's a pastor. Look, he's holy. Wife submits to that. Kids obey their parents. The whole thing's a mess. Now the church, oh, look, this is the pastoral example. And so he teaches like this. And so we're going to do this too. And all of a sudden, the whole church, powerless. Oh, yeah, they can believe they're Christians. They can, yeah, they can open up the Bible and read the Bible. But they better not heed the Bible. And so Satan throws a wrench, throws a little wrench in all these little cogs and parts that are moving. And he laughs. It's happening. That's how the church becomes apostate. No adherence to truth. But then you have a pastor who teaches. The formula is right. Everything fits. The squares fit in the square. The triangle fits. Everything fits. Everything aligns. Oh, don't listen to this guy. All the council of everybody. Don't listen to this guy. People still listen to him. Okay, now we got to kill him. Now Satan uses his vessels to beat on him and to kill him and to chop off his head. It's happening. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful godly men. Men. Pastors of fellowships. Seven people in the church. Eleven people in the church. Some meet in forests. Some meet by rivers. And they meet in certain areas and sometimes they have to change because, you know, you have uh, people who defect. You might have a church with 15 people and then, you know, a husband and wife go into crazy town. And now all of a sudden the husband and wife go into crazy town. Now they're a threat on the saints because they go into crazy town and now they tell the authorities, oh yeah, they meet over here at this tree at this time. So it used to be 15, now it's 13 because husband and wife went and told the authorities. So you have this body, this remnant body, 13 people, and they no longer meet by the riverbed. Now they meet in the forest. You see, everything's done in secret because it's dangerous to be a Christian in certain regions, in Asia, in Russia, in Arab countries. It's dangerous to be a Christian. And yet the church is thriving Very dangerous to be a Christian in Iran. But yet you see the church growing in Iran. Underground church, you see. That's straight up warfare. These beautiful, beautiful men, overseers, who teach and pour into the flock of God. And they know the cost. It could cost them their teeth. It could cost them their hands. It could cost them their feet, their arms, certain body parts. It could cost them their head. And yet they continue being obedient to Jesus Christ. You see, these, oh, this is, I have no words to describe. These are men and women that these are the kind of, if you cut open their chest and rip it open. I don't know that sounds carnal. And I don't mean to sound carnal in saying that, but to give this example, as soon as you open up that chest, you have, there's, there, there are no sunglasses made 
that you, you have to turn away because it is so glorious. It is so bright. It's the glory of the Lord. Men, women. Now look what happens here. The green light to proceed in warfare, to besiege it in verse 13. And when the Lord, remember, it's not if, when the Lord your God delivers it into your hands, you shall strike every male in it with the edge of the sword. Now, a lot of times people say, I don't like reading the Old Testament. It's too violent. The same thing happens today. As Christians, the same thing happens today, not according to the flesh, but in accordance to the spirit with the edge of the sword, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How many times in studying the Torah do you hear us say, observe Israel according to the flesh. Observe Israel according to the flesh, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh. But the Spirit? Same thing. The edge of the sword which is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. In verse 14, But the women, the little ones, the livestock, and all that is in the city, all its spoil, you shall plunder for yourself or gather for yourself. Now, it's plunder? Yes, absolutely. But remember, peace was offered. Peace was offered. And when peace was rejected, now we have plunder. But plunder is different when the i'm not advocating the law and saying this i mean you know sometimes we read books we see movies about like plunder you know people talk about plunder you're like oh that's that's terrible that's bad and you know i get that point but when you read torah when you read the law of moses a vessel of the lord now plunder is different it's there's very specific rules for plunder and very specific rules on sharing and, and, and having it for the benefit of the priesthood, for the benefit of a family, for the benefit of heirs. And remember, those who are subjugated and brought into this servanthood status, in the long run, it, it turns into something beautiful. And look at you before you came to Christ. An enemy of the Lord because you were in the camp of Satan, like I was. You come to Christ, the Lord puts you, places you under servanthood status. Now you've been walking with the Lord for two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I don't know, but you've been walking with the Lord. You've been play- you were in the enemy's camp and you received the offer of peace in receiving Jesus Christ. Now look at you today, free, free in Christ, not using your freedom in Christ as licensure to sin, as the Bible teaches, but now you're free in Christ, you see? So, you know, this is the fulfillment of the law who uses these aspects of the law to teach us these functions of the law as new covenant believers in the fulfillment of the law. And in so doing, we fulfill the law of faith. Listen to our study through Romans. The law of faith. The law of 
love. It is written. It is written. In verse 14, And you shall eat the enemy's plunder which the Lord your God gives you. Thus you shall do to all the cities which are very far from you, which are not of the cities of these nations. You see, so Moses is saying this to this generation who's going into the promised land. But these lands, these war situations, these combat situations, they're going to face. It's not today at this particular moment in Deuteronomy 20. It's not today because right now, this second generation, they're just listening. They're hearing Moses. The words of Moses are going into their ears. Now, what happens when the words of Moses go into their ears? What happens to their hearts? Well, that's between them and the Lord. But now you're going to see in the Old Testament, in our studies in the Old Testament, you're going to see people who take Moses' words to heart. And those where it goes in one ear and out the other. An example, the words of Moses going in the ear and down into the heart, Hannah. The words of Moses going in one ear and out the other ear, Eli. You see, perfect example. And so we see this in verse 16 in closing. But of the cities of the, the peoples which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive. You see? Now, remember these regions that Israel is entering. They're not taking over these lands because they're awesome. Listen to our study through Deuteronomy 9. It's not because Israel is awesome. It's because of the wickedness of these people. And we studied that last week a little bit. It's their wickedness. It's not because you're awesome. It's their wickedness. You see? And so for them, you see this, you know, grace, mercy, and love, it goes to everybody. But, you know, when you go in verse 10, when you go near a city to fight against it, then proclaim an offer of peace. Now, this peace offering, this offering of grace, mercy, it's already offered to certain peoples. You see? From a time horizon aspect, it's almost like it's expired for certain peoples. You see? Just like we see today, Romans 1. Listen to our study through Romans 1. It's like, okay, God's wrath comes on individuals. It comes on individuals in different ways. But how come it doesn't happen to all individuals? Well, because God's grace and his mercy and his love, yes, it is there. It is for all. But for some, the expiration date comes before another. Why? Well, it's because of their choices. You see? It's because of their choices. One of the results of uh, when, the, the, when, when God gives them over, and listen to our study through Romans 1, when God gives a person over, how come it's not just a blanket statement like God gives everybody over? Well, there's always opportunity for grace, mercy, and love. But for a person to respond to that. The same thing in the Old Testament. In verse 10, when you go near a city to fight against it, don't then proclaim an offer of peace. That's like moment number one. You know, look, you want peace or not? But then uh, moment, uh, the, the, uh, that moment of peace already happened to some peoples. That moment of peace was denied. Now it's judgment. And remember, the only ones who are the deliverers of God's judgment, these are people who are cheek to cheek with the Lord. Those where the formula is not right, stay home. The fight is not for you.
You are a liability in this battle. Stay home. Very important to understand that. Cheek to cheek. Those are the warriors. Old Testament and New Testament. The warriors are cheek to cheek with the Lord. Even today. The warriors are cheek to cheek with the Lord. Outside of that, stay home. In verse 17, and when I say stay home, it's not stay home and you can never join the fight. It's stay home and grow and mature. Heed the things of the Lord. Listen to the Lord and read the word and uh, yield to the word of the Lord. Yield to the spirit of the Lord and grow and mature. You know, don't be a baby anymore. Continue to grow and mature. And now because you're no longer a baby, because the formula is right in you, now come on board. Join the fight. And so here we see in verse 17 regarding those where the, 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 the peoples of the lands that are Israel is getting as an inheritance, not because of their awesomeness, but because of the people's wickedness, because of their wickedness. He says in verse 17, but you shall utterly destroy them. The Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. You see, they had plenty of opportunity to yield to the Lord, but they didn't. You see? All these opportunity. Wow, I saw what the Lord did to Egypt. and But I like Molech better. I like Baal better. Okay? The choice has been made. Prepare to meet the Lord. You see? They made their choice. He says in verse 18, Lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations which they have done for their gods. You see? They become the influencers. And the Lord is saying, Utterly destroy them. Verse 17, utterly destroy them. Because if you don't, they're going to become your influencers. And their influence is an abomination. And when you, when they become an influence and you start doing their abominations, and verse 18 says, and you sin against the Lord your God. You see? Christians get into a lot of trouble. Christians today, saints today, get themselves into a lot of trouble, self-inflicted, because they attempt to engage in spiritual warfare. But when the formula is wrong, they lose. It's better to stay home. Stay To stay home, it's not a form of, okay, stay home, you're, you know, like you're nothing. No, it's stay home so you can be safe. So the warriors can be safe, but stay home so you can grow and mature. And then you can join on the front lines, join in the battle. But Christians get into a lot of trouble because they attempt to fight in this spiritual battle, which the spiritual battle, it's, it's, it's not just coming to us. It is already here. And Christians are engaging in this spiritual warfare but they're not equipped. Christians who, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ and I need more, I need more power of the Holy Spirit, so I'm gonna lay on the grave. I, you know, I'm losing this battle. I need more power of the Spirit, so I'm gonna go lay on these graves. What? How is that sanctioned in the Bible? It's not. You don't see that. 
But yet people teach it. Pastors teach it. And people follow. Remember how Paul was concerned with Corinth? He says, you guys might well put up. He says, I'm afraid for you. Because the preacher guy is going to come to town and you might well put up with it. What is the church today doing? They are well putting up with it. Putting up with what? The grave soakers. Take the mark of the beast. Go ahead. You'll still be saved. God is done with Israel. The church is putting up with it. Ill-equipped for warfare. Ill-equipped for combat. I don't want to go to war with these people. I want to go to war with the warriors. Where the formula is right. Not where the formula is wrong. You see? And so we see here in verse 19. When you besiege a city for a long time. See, Bigger cities take, I mean, I'll give New York, you know, you take small town USA. Give an example, I'm saying, you know, hey, let's go invade a, a, a town. But small town USA, or you go invade a village in, we'll say, um, Afghanistan. I'm just giving an example, a worldly example. Some towns, piece of cake. I don't know to say piece of cake, but I mean, it's going to take a couple hours. But what if it's New York City? It's going to take some time. It's not just, it's straight up like, you know, door to door, house to house, but then you got the high rises. So it's going to take some time. That's what we see here in verse 19. When you besiege a city for a long time. I love this because it's work. It's not, it's like the Lord is giving them certain regions. Remember their proximity to the Lord is cheek to cheek. And the Lord, in response to, remember, he responds to uh, uh, obedience. He responds to disobedience. And he's responding in accordance to his promises. And so you see their lands expanding. And it's not just like, you know, a snap of the fingers, like, boom, okay, these are yours. You know, it's like, you know, boom, you know, like automatically, like this is yours. It's, you know, yes, the promise of the Lord, but now there's work involved. There's, there's the aspect of actually going into war, going into combat, engaging in combat. And I love that so much. Why? Because it helps us as Christians understand that, yes, we put on the armor of God. Yes, we carry the shield. Yes, we put on the helmet, the breastplate, the sword, everything. To go and engage and I speak spiritually and say, I'm not saying, let's go attack a New York City. Let's go and attack. I'm not, no, I'm talking spiritually. And the sword of the spirit, it's, you know, don't forget, we also have a fishing pole. To be fishers of men, fishers of women. Making disciples. Not making converts. Making converts is easy. Making disciples. Big difference. And when you besiege a city for a long time, in verse 19, while making war against it, to take it, you shall not destroy its trees by wielding an axe against them. If you can eat of them, do not cut them down to use them in the siege, for the tree of the field is man's food. I love this so much because it's like provision in the battlefield. You know, we're uh, making advancements in a city, and it's like, okay, there's a, an orange tree. Okay, we got oranges. So, you know, we, oranges to eat. And some walnuts, okay, got walnuts, the oranges and walnuts. We got all these beautiful things to eat. Some potatoes, you know, a little plant in the ground. We got some potatoes, some tomatoes. 
Make a nice little salad. This is provisions in the battle. This isn't a battle that's it's just a couple hours. This is a battle that's going to take like months. It's a big city. The trees are there. It's like, don't chop it down. If you can eat of it, look, have a nice salad. Some potatoes. You see? Provision in the battlefield. And then verse 20, only the trees which you know are not trees for food, you may destroy and cut down to build siege works against the city that makes war with you until it is subdued. You see? Other trees, okay, there's, you know, we can't eat of this tree. I'm not going to chew on pine cones. So let's use this tree for Weapons of war. And not just, you see this provision, not just, like, it's not just provision in the fight, like, in terms of provision, like, food to eat, a nice little salad, potatoes, get some oranges, and, you know, uh, some walnuts, lettuce, but also supplies. Equipping. I love this so much. As the saying goes, where God provides, or where God guides, He provides. Where God guides, God provides. Never forget that. The provision of the Lord, people equate that to money. Oh, God is guiding me to this ministry, so therefore I'm going to be a millionaire. No. The provisions of the Lord have nothing to do with money. Sometimes the Lord can bless through money. But when He blesses through money, that money is used for the kingdom. Not for a mansion, not for a private jet, not for a limousine. It's used for the kingdom. The provision of the Lord. It's beautiful. It is holy. But you see these Old Testament examples of the very same thing. Israel goes to war. And you know, they got the trees. Some You can eat of this tree. Okay, food, sustenance during the fight. You see, you don't have to have these, the rear echelon, you know, bringing in the food supply. No, the food supply is right there. The Lord is providing during the fight. And you get another tree, some plants, you know, that can be eaten. So, okay, use it for weapons of war. Equipping during the fight. These are special people. It's not just anybody. These warriors of the Lord are people who are cheek to cheek with him. Old Testament and New Testament. The carnal, the babies, beautiful babies who are freshly new believers in Christ. Stay home. You need to learn. You need to grow. But babies who have been Christians for 20 years who are still babies and still on milk. Also stay home. You need to repent and you need to grow. You need to mature. To engage in this aspect of spiritual warfare. Things on which we're going to study further in our study on Sunday. About spiritual warfare. And these same concepts of the fight. Of the battle. Of straight up war. But as new covenant believers. According to the spirit. To the beautiful people of the way. A remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.